Welcome to another episode of Bitches Love Sports. I'm Bitch 2. I'm Bitch 1. And we have some guests coming on today, not for any specific topic, just hanging out with some fellow podcasters mm-hmm. who'll be hopping on in a few minutes. So in the meantime, we're just going to hop into our shout outs and call outs. Uh, we have a few. Now, this is one of those days where we kind of have show notes and we kind of don't. <laughs> so, we're going to go. We're going to go with the flow a little bit. <laughs> I feel like we put a lot of preparation into that episode with not, you know, to really be able to talk about the coalition. Um, and now we're just like, that was a lot. You know, <laughs> like three episodes after, yes. in one week, you know, got a lot of good feedback, though. We're yes. really happy that a lot of our listeners found a lot of that information useful. Yes. As promised. The folder containing the public documents from the coalition, the information that they're sharing with everyone about how their organization is structured and set up, that is in our link in bio on our Bitches Love Sports Instagram page. So if you click on there, scroll to the bottom, we'll see the section that says other links. And you can click on the option that says public, uh, I'm not sure what it says. I think it's, it's a, I think it says California Derby, uh, California Derby Galaxy. Um, as Payne's gonna, as Payne's gonna look at it, um, but it's clearly labeled, and you can click on it and get access to their presentation video, their PowerPoint, and other documents, their handbook, their FAQs, and other documents that they might include. California yes, Derby it Galaxy. says California Derby Galaxy Coalition public folder. So very clearly labeled. Yeah. And it has a logo on it or anything. So yeah, logo and everything. <laughs> you can't miss it. <laughs> so as promised, that is there. Um, we definitely appreciate everybody who gave us feedback on the episode yes. and everybody who was really excited about part two coming out. We were kind of nervous about separating it um, just because, you know, we wanted to do everything at once, but it just felt like it was really long and it made more sense to separate it she and make it easier yes. to digest. So there's a lot of information. <laughs> yes, lots of information, but a couple of very good episodes. So we're a little bit more lax this week, although we do have some important topics to talk about. We just don't have a lot of notes on those topics. So. <laughs> Gonna wing it. We're good at winging it anyway. So. Sometimes. <laughs> I still think about that one episode we didn't release. And I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think about it for two reasons. One, I don't want that to happen again. And Fair. two, <laughs> because it was the one time I called you out. <laughs> oh, that was about the episode? When you were, yeah, uh, when when you, you were when you were being kind of mean to CD and he was and he was injured and I was like that was kind of because I up. called him Butterfingers I forgot yeah you <laughs> called him Butterfingers he was dealing with an injury and shit and I was just like oh that was the how that dare was a you point. Yeah, I, <laughs> I might have to release that just as a clip on social media yeah and he will be just like, that just why that. Yeah. is this here and I'll be like look. I needed to put this out there for the public to hear. You needed to see Just this. to show that I did not let her get away with this. You know, for all my fellow CD Lamb fans, I did not let her get away with that shit, okay? <laughs> Just need you to know. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. Anyway, we're going to jump into shout outs and call outs. First shout out goes to Candace Parker and Anna Petrakova. They are expecting their first child and Yay. it's also their second anniversary. So happy anniversary. Congratulations. You have a beautiful family. Yes. All that good stuff. Yes, that's very exciting. When I saw the pictures, I'm like, oh, cute. <laughs> yeah, they look adorable. Yes. All right. The next, I don't know if, I, if it's a shout out or call out. There's, there's a lot of COVID going through the sports world, y'all. Um, Way too much. I don't even know what to say about it because on one hand, most people who are being diagnosed as positive are uh, asymptomatic. Yes. 
So that is a testament to how far we've come as far as treatments and the effectiveness of vaccines and booster shots, because that's kind of the point. You know, from the very beginning, we knew... <laughs> These are only tools to fight it, y'all. <laughs> trying to say Literally. that everybody. No, but like, from the very beginning, it was kind of known that vaccines would not prevent a person from uh, getting COVID. But the whole idea was to reduce the death rate. And, and based the, on what we're seeing, that seems to rate, be... The hospital yeah, and the hospitalization rate. A little bit, yes. And so based on the numbers that have been put out there, the ones that I've seen, that does seem to, you know, that does seem to be the case. And also what we're seeing, even with the rising numbers among athletes, um, Bitch One just told me that I didn't even realize last night that a game was canceled. No, but yeah. yeah, but I was listening to a few people talk about the situation with the Bears. And apparently they have... 17 players who have been who have tested positive for COVID? Did they have like 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 Thanksgiving together or something? What happened? Maybe. I have no idea. But 17. I I did think about that because and there have been 75 positive cases over the past two days across the NFL as a whole. Shit. And I thought about that because one, it was interesting to me that everybody's tune kind of changed. When the Cowboys were going through this, it yes. was a Cowboys problem. And some of the people who were just on, paved the path. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the people who are on Sports Talk today talking about this being, you know, somewhat of a crisis or the beginning of a crisis, they were kind of making fun of the Cowboys when they were going through this. And now it's, and like, now oh, it's like, oh, hold, no. Hold up, hold up. It's a real problem. Right, right. And I'm like, no, it's, I, I think had people looked at it differently when the Cowboys had all those cases all at once and right. started looking into it then to see, okay, what is the issue? What led to this? Yeah. I'm not saying it would have prevented it, but it would have put them in a position where they were thinking about the issue weeks earlier as opposed to waiting until now to right. think about it. Because now people are like, oh, should we go back on what we said about um, not rescheduling games? Should we reconsider some of the other things that we... Like, they already reconsidered what they the standard they have for the practice squad. Yeah. They're allowing teams to increase the size of their practice squad. Some people think that's a little bit of insensitive to basically say like, oh, well, we're going to give you the option to add more players. But like I said, most of the players who have tested positive are asymptomatic. So that is the reason right now why the owners are moving forward with games, because although they do want to limit spread, they aren't seeing this as a situation that's so dangerous that they actually need to um, cancel games and halt the season and reschedule everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's COVID. It's, it's been... It's been two years that we're still trying to figure out how to fix shit because we don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody has done this before, so nobody knows how to fix things. And Not we recently, don't... anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and, right, exactly, yes. Nobody is alive now that had gone through the Spanish flu, so let's just keep that clear. Unless you're like a time traveler or something, I don't know, or I don't know. Anyways, but like, it's, it's like we'll cross that bridge when we get there because we don't know the bridge that we're going to get to, so. Right. That's, I mean, if that's what they need to be doing, that's what they're, that's what, that's what it needs to happen. I mean, we're like right around the corner of playoffs, like. Exactly. <laughs> Are we just gonna cancel the season now? <laughs> like right now? Like, bro, I don't know. Because so many people are asymptomatic, that's why I agree with you on that. You know, yeah. there are some people who are like, oh no, things should be canceled. And I think, you know, if it were a more serious situation where there weren't as many vaccinated people as there are, and more people were being hospitalized, and there was there was a rising death toll, I would I would completely support that idea. Of oh, me too. Me too. But at this point, it's just a situation where you know they want to limit spread because you know the effects on various people, various individuals, are still a little bit unpredictable. So they don't want to just spread it willy nilly. Yeah. But 
um, they are in a situation where they do feel comfortable moving forward with the season. Um, I'm okay with that. Me too. I'm good with Me it. too. At I'm gonna leave point, this one up to the experts, right. owners, coaches, and like, all listen, those. Listen, it's been like almost two years. Like, like this is not going anywhere. We need to figure it out. And like, we all we realize that stuff for almost a whole year is not gonna. Because if you think about it, the last shutdown was kind of initiated by sports shutting down. Yes, well, because yes. I remember here. Well, here in this they country. Were, no, <laughs> back home. Specifically. Oh, okay, okay. Because okay. I remember back here, home, everything was shut down fast. Yes. Months. They were still talking about having South by Southwest. Because I remember South South by actually said that they were going to cancel. And then Texas people doing Texas shit. Oh, yeah. All, all the people who were supposed uh-huh. to present at South by and have booths and have events, they were like, well, we're going to do it anyway. Yes. <laughs> but the festival. We're, we're doing it, it anyway. Texas way. Yeah, the Texas way. Texas we're going to get doing away. Texas yes. shit. Yes. And then, and then the NBA was like, now we're shutting down. And then everybody was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember <laughs> because I was coaching Anarchy at the time and we had the a tournament in Denver and literally it was gonna be like this the first week of April I believe and they did not cancel the tournament until two weeks before everybody had flights everybody had everything figured out and they did not cancel until two weeks before like two weeks already into the pandemic yeah and they were like ah you know what ah, just kidding we're just gonna just gonna we're just not gonna do it fuck you there what the fuck man <laughs> Anyways, it, like what I was saying is like, it's not going anywhere. We're trying to figure it out. We're figuring out things as we go. And I honestly, at this point, if you would have asked me this last year, I would have said, cancel everything. Everybody get safe. Stay home. Do not leave. Wash your hands. Get vaccinated. Last year at this point, we didn't have a vaccine. Well, right. I, yeah, no, 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 no. What? It was starting. December? It was, it was rolling out. It was rolling out. Because my grandma got vaccinated in January. It was rolling out. Yeah. So... You know, I would just say that. Right now, it's not going anywhere. We're just going to get different variants. We're just going to get different kind of COVID. So it's just going to happen. So we just need to learn how to live with it. And this is how we do it. All right. So like we said about at the beginning of the episode, (laughs) we do have a special guest coming on today, possibly two. um, But one of them is here. And his name is Arye the King. So everybody welcome Arye to the show. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? How you doing? Hold on, let me Hold try on. to turn this up. I can't hear you. Uh, okay, say something. Test, test. Can you hear me? Oh. Oh. Give me give me five minutes. Five oh, minutes. Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. So Arya is having some technical difficulties, but he will be back. <laughs> In the meantime, I'm gonna move on to the next topic, which is Dion Sanders. So Deion Sanders uh, recruited the number one overall football recruit to Jackson State, which is awesome. That right? is fucking amazing. That's awesome for an HBCU. That's awesome yes. for a school that's not Power Five. The issue is this particular recruit had committed to Florida State beforehand and then changed his mind and went to Jackson State. And a lot of people have issues with that. And I, I'm not really sure... I won't say I'm not sure where I stand. I actually stand on the side of the player on this. And part of the reason that I do is because with all these coaching changes that happened over the last few weeks, there were some players who were put in positions where they committed to a school with a certain coach. Then that coach moved and the coach that came in decided they didn't need that particular player. And those players were put in a compromising position. That's bullshit. (laughs) It is. 
And so, and I shouldn't even say compromising position. Those players were put in a position where they no longer had scholarships. Right, right. That's that's what I'm saying. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like going to school is not cheap in this country at all. And so when I see a system like that, that just seems to not have any regard for the people who don't have as much power or as much say-so, when those people are in a position to make decisions to benefit them and change their mind if they need to, I'm like, do it. Because if somebody else had to do it and it was going to be detrimental to you, yeah. clearly they would move forward regardless. Right. Right. So if you have to do the same thing, do you. Do By you. all means. Yes. So as far as the decision itself, I'm on the side of the player, especially considering that even with these NIL rules, players are not paid to play. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> right. so they are still student athletes. I think they still have the right to choose a school yes, that, they, that yes. they want to go to. And if <clears throat> coaches can jump around and move around, players should be able to do the same. I agree. I, I don't understand why it's 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 the players. Like I don't like like it's his education, it's his career, or their career, well, their it's, life. It's it's the same idea. You know, it's it's because if a coach recruits a certain player, any anytime you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Correct. So when yes. they recruited this player, that means they denied another player. Yes. And that player that they denied might not be available. So it could affect the makeup of the team. It could affect yeah. the, the culture of the team, the odds of winning, the odds of success. It, it could. Yeah. But, but I guess I just feel like If you're going to make that the standard, make that the standard for everybody. I agree. Don't congratulate a coach when they move in December and hundred millions of dollars. Right. But then when a player does it in consideration for their future, all of a sudden it's a problem. No. That's all I'm saying. I don't. I'm 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 totally with the with the player on this. A hundred percent. What would have happened if like he gets their first practice break, his leg is out for the whole season? Now, the interesting thing about this situation is people's speculation about why this particular player moved. So there's been a lot of talk about NIL deals and mm -hmm. the possibility that NIL money, which is name, image, and likeness for those who might not be familiar with the developments in uh, the NCAA this past year. Basically, athletes, even though they aren't paid to play, they do have the ability to make money off their name, image, and likeness, meaning they can make money from appearances by being sponsored or featuring products in their social media, yeah. things of that nature. And so there's speculation that there was some sort of NIL arrangement. People are thinking that it's with Barstool Sports because of Deion Sanders' uh, association with Barstool Sports. Mm -hmm. But people are saying that that's the reason why this person made their decision to move. So I will say this. Number one, this person is the number one recruit in the nation. Meaning wherever he went, there would be NIL money available. Right. So there had to be more than that going into his decision as yeah. far as where to, where to go. You know, maybe it was culture. Maybe he felt the need to commit to an HBCU. Yeah, whatever and, the reason is. Yeah, whatever the reason is. But even if it is NIL money, so, so what? what? Yeah, whatever <laughs> the like, reason is. College sports is literally a billion-dollar industry. And why are coaches making that much money? And like assistant coaches and all those people and the actual players that is their futures, their career is is their life. They're, They're making zero money in college sports. Yeah, exactly. Like it, 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 it's so unfair. It's so unfair, in my opinion. So and if, I, if is, an athlete, if a, if a college, collegiate athlete wants to change schools, you got my book. The like, only reason collegiate athletes aren't paid is because 
the NCAA wanted to shirk responsibility for paying them things like workman's comp, for example, if they were to get injured. The whole reason that college student athletes aren't paid has nothing to do with any sort of moral authority or any sort of sensible legislation. This was something that came about uh, by the NCAA in an attempt to basically shirk responsibility and not have to do things like pay players if they were to become injured while uh, playing a game that was being broadcast by the NCAA or otherwise governed by the NCAA. And so Walter Byers himself wrote, we crafted the term student athlete Uh, and soon it was embedded in all NCAA rules and interpretations. The term came into play in the 1950s when the widow of Ray Dennison, who had died from a head injury, received while playing football in Colorado for the Fort Lewis A&M Aggies, filed for workman's compensation death benefits. Did his football scholarship make the fatal collision a work-related accident? Was he a school employee? like his peers who worked part-time as teaching assistants and bookstore cashiers, or was he a fluke victim of extracurricular pursuits? Given the hundreds of incapacitating injuries to college athletes each year, the answers to these questions had enormous consequences. The Colorado Supreme Court ultimately agreed with the school's contention that he was not eligible for benefits since the college was not in the football business. So basically the entire concept of student athletes was created so that schools would not be held liable for these types of accidents. And so in the NFL, you only have 32 teams that they have to worry about. And they bring in a lot of money, just like college athletes bring in a lot of money. But with the NCAA, you're looking at a lot more schools that you have to worry about, a lot more athletes, the less experienced. And what do we know from our sport? The less experienced you are, the more more likely that you're actually going to become injured or injure somebody else. Also, the more people involved in a sport, the more likely that there will be injuries that take place. Yes. And so when people are like, oh, well, these students aren't employees, and they say that as though that's some sort of um, righteous statement for the lack of rights or the lack of ability to choose or make certain decisions, it's not. Like, you're basically supporting a system that was literally set up to screw people over and just invented a term so that they would not be held liable and so that they could make a bunch of money off the backs of athletes that they weren't really obligated to take care of in any particular way. Now, today, fortunately, a lot of schools do take pretty good care of their student athletes. They better, because they bring so (laughs) much fucking money into it. Right, and that's the main reason. It's like, well, we want to keep you healthy because you are making us money. And I'm I'm just kind of like, okay, there's a trade off there, but at least they're taking care of the athletes. But my whole point in saying all of that is... But they're taking care of the athlete if the athlete becomes injured, correct? Right. So So it's not for, like, other things. So, like, let's say for, like, women athletes, for example, if they need reproductive health care, unless that (laughs) has something to do with their performance. From what I understand, I could be wrong. If you are a collegiate woman athlete and you have evidence to the contrary, by all means, hit us up. Yes, what I understand, that's something completely separate. Oh, yeah, right, because it's women. (laughs) Well, I mean, men don't usually have a lot going on with their reproductive Oh, they, I mean, they don't. I feel like it's not as much of an issue. Oh, I, I definitely know college, college male athletes who have like Viagra, and I'm just like, you're 20. What the fuck? No, <laughs> but you could get a vasectomy. They could get a vasectomy. That's uh, reversible. They could get a vasectomy. That could be paid for by the school. Yeah, that's true, and I'm sure some of them want to preach. <laughs> <laughs> a whole nother topic. Anyway, anyway, 
I say all that to say when it comes to these NIL deals, I have no issue with college student athletes saying I want to go here as opposed to here because of the potential for an NIL deal. Because it's like you said a second ago, if a, if a student does become injured and let's say it's literally career altering injury, then whatever they made off of NIL and let's say that first season of their college career that could be the peak of their salary potentially yeah. not wishing that on anybody but that's no, something no, that no. could definitely happen yes, you know yes, yes. you cannot like not have that on the books like it's, it might happen you don't you don't know and another point that I want to make is when the opportunity for NIL first came up, one of the things that I mentioned was that this was going to be game changing for HBCUs yes. and also for women athletes. Yes. And so that's what this situation is proving. Even though a lot of people are upset, upset by it, it kind of leans into my point that money can be the great equalizer. And that, you know, while HBCUs, they're kind of... Um, criticized for at least seeming to have less money than bigger schools but there are sponsors there are celebrities who support these schools yeah. who can level the playing field at least as far as athletics are concerned right. by offering nil deals or nil opportunities to, right. to, to student athletes who may want to attend these schools and not only that but Deion sanders presence at jackson state has brought a lot of attention yes. to the school Yes. And so that was another thing with HBCUs, like yes. lack of coverage, you know, lack of games being broadcast. And so now what we're seeing is like, is what we're seeing is evidence, is proof that that celebrity, that money can make a difference in the trajectory of an athletic program at a school. And something else that we know is that the trajectory of an athletic program can have implications for the success of a school itself. So this could literally be game changing for HBCUs and I'm all here for it. Yes, same. Same. I'm I'm here. I'm here for it. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, whatever whatever you decide to do as a collegiate athlete, we're here for you. At least I know I am. Because whatever decision you make, if you want to change schools for whatever reason, that's on you. Yeah. One thing you'll learn once you get out of school is that at the end of the day, you got to make the decision. Yes, yes, exactly. Regardless exactly. of where you work, who you end up working for, whether you're a pro athlete or you end up with a nine to five or you end up as an entrepreneur, at the end of the day, you kind of have to learn how to look out for yourself and make the decisions that are best for your future. Yes. Because there are people you're going to expect to look out for you who just... Quite frankly, won't. they won't. When it, they comes, won't. when it comes to them this making is, decisions for their own future. This is the thing, like, like they 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 make you think that that decision is good for you, but in reality is what's best for them. Back. So you need to whenever you make a decision that is gonna affect your life, like it's a life-changing changing event, it's you need to look up for yourself. Doesn't matter. It's for you. It's gonna change your life. Nobody else's. Your life. And if it's gonna, is the coach is gonna tell you whatever. That shouldn't matter to you because it's gonna change your life. If the coach is gonna make less money because you're not there, that's on the coaches. That that that's his problem. Their problem. It's not your problem. You're looking out for you. You're changing schools because it's a better career for you because it's gonna make a better name for you because you might get a sponsorship on that school because the scholarship is better at that school because it's a better school. Whatever the reason is, it's for you. So just think about that and don't think about anybody else. It's your decision. It's your life. Ooh, that makes me think of something that I've I, that I've been seeing in the Derby community. But what? what? We're gonna, <laughs> okay. I'm. I'll save that for another day. Just all remind right, me one day. Right, but right. we're going to try again to bring on our guest, Arye the King. All right. Yeah. Hey, you there? <laughs> 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 
Hey, what's going on? Can you hear me? Oh, we can hear you. I can hear you. Why can I still not hear him? What is? Oh, you can't hear me. My computer. Yeah, it's it's my audio card. Fuck. Okay, so if you can hear us, I need to shut down my computer and restart it. Okay. Do you, do you have to have one of these? Do you have that have huh? phone? Do you? I think it's yeah. on our end. Okay. Yeah, it's I, on... I, I don't think it matters if you connect yeah, it or I'll disconnect it. I'll message you whenever it. we come back on. Okay. All right, and we're back. Yeah. Difficulties. We have them every week. We don't always talk about them in the podcast, but... <laughs> It, it happens every time. That's why I I don't know who's paying attention, but like last episode, it happens. The audio started off real good. It was great. And then like halfway through the first section before we brought on Knox, all of a sudden, just like everything started to sound really echoey and airy. Uh-huh. And then yeah. it goes back to good and then it goes And it was because and... my mic uh, just started sounding muffled for some reason. Hers just stopped recording whatsoever. Hey. And, and we... <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So that laughter you're hearing in the background is Arya the King, <laughs> who we can actually hear now. <laughs> so Arya, you can go ahead and introduce yourself and your podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm Arya the King, one half of Geek Salad. Um, my co-host G, he actually had to work late. So if it's if we're on in time, you know, he, he's going to hop on later. Um, but yeah, Geek Salad is it's the intersection of the culture. So like black culture and like nerd culture. It's like where those two things intersect, right? So, I mean, it's everything. We cover music, TV shows, movies, um, just random stuff that we think is funny. Uh, a lot of inappropriate conversations. Probably your mom probably don't want to watch the show. You know what I'm saying? But we have a good time. We have a good time. My mom doesn't know my show exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the Cowboys. I'm like, oh, let's the people that like the Cowboys for the last episode, or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, I told my boyfriend, and then I'm like, do not tell your dad. <laughs> do not tell your dad about my podcast. <laughs> Yo, know, it, it's funny because like I like I've seen a couple of y'all episodes and I, I love you, your show because like I'm like a big sports dude too. So we're actually thinking about having like a um a sports seg adding a sports segment to the show. You know, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Be awesome. Big on sports, yeah. love sports, NBA, NFL. I'm there. Yes, yeah. I love sports and I love nerd shit. And we're actually going to get more into that intersection later in the show. When I told you I had the perfect topic for you, this is something I've been wanting to talk about literally for weeks. I'm going to dive into it. But before we get into that, we're going to keep going with the shout outs and call outs, which is pretty much a whole episode. The whole episode is shout outs and call outs today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the next thing I want to talk about is Urban Meyer. Do you know a lot about this, his situation with the Jaguars right now? Uh, I know the Jaguars ain't doing nothing this year. They suck. Um, <laughs> no. Like, what's the specifics? What's going on with Urban? Okay, long story short, um, some of the people within the Jaguars organization came out and said that he was basically creating this really toxic culture and just being a bad head coach. So I'm going to read a little bit of an article. Now, this was published on NFL.com on December 11th. So this was recent. It's from a reliable source. And this is what some people are saying is going on. So they said, in the past two weeks alone, sources say, receiver Marvin Jones, one of the locker room's most respected and mild-mannered veterans, 
became so angry with Meyer's public and private criticism of the receiver group that he left the facility until other staff members convinced him to come back and had a heated argument with Meyer during practice. Then, during a staff meeting, Meyer delivered a biting message that he's a winner and his assistant coaches are losers, according to several people informed of the contents of the meeting, challenging each coach... challenging each coach individually to explain when they've ever won and forcing them to defend their resumes. Then, contrary to his public statements that it was injury-related, Meyer ordered Robinson's benching after an opening drive fumble in last week's 37-7 road loss to the Rams, then had running backs coach Bernie Parmalee stop Robinson from re-entering the game, insisting Carlos Hyde, who played for Meyer at Ohio State, stay in. Only after Lawrence, the quarterback, questioned Meyer on the sideline about Robinson's absence, was Robinson allowed to return late in the second quarter. And speaking to reporters this week, Robin, uh, Lawrence said, bottom line is James is one of our best players and he's got to be on the field and we addressed it. And I feel like we're in a good spot and the whole team, we're good. That's what he said. Then, that's not it. Several Jaguars players vented their frustration to Rams players after the game. So they lost. <laughs> no, not only lost, they got their ass beat. And then <laughs> went to the team that beat them. And sources say they reiterated a common complaint that Meyer, who had no prior NFL experience, doesn't treat them like adults. And the staff meeting follows a pattern of tense interactions between Meyer and his assistants dating back to the offseason. So all this is going on regarding the culture and it it brought up so many questions for me because like it's one thing to have a losing season, right? We've seen coaches have losing season losing seasons and still keep their jobs because maybe the loss is attributed to them adjusting to new personnel or whatever the case may be, right? But in this situation, we've got uh, NFL professionals complaining about how they're being treated, which I trust them to have interacted with other head coaches and other coaches before. So if they're complaining about this treatment, I'm assuming there's an issue. And then you've got players not saying that they're not being treated nicely. They're complaining about not being treated like adults. And so that brought up a few questions for me. Um, one, is it possible to have a team culture that's so negative and so toxic that it actually begins to result in losses. And should that matter? Yes. (laughs) And also, if the Jags were winning, would this behavior then be acceptable or would it still be like, no, dude still got to go even with even with the winning record? Ah, That's a touchy one. That's a touchy one because in the NFL, I think it would just fly. Well, they're winning. So why why would get rid of a a coach that is, you know, that's winning, right? Right. Exactly. But if they're losing and this shit comes out, it'd be like, ah, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. So, like, for the first question, I I think it's one of those things, man, where, like, winning is, like, the ultimate cologne, right? Like, yeah. I don't – if if the situation was the Jaguars were winning games and Urban Meyer's behavior was exactly the same as it is, I don't think it would be an issue. You know, I, I think the players wouldn't like it, but at the end of the day, we're winning. We're going out mm-hmm. and celebrating after the game. You know, because 24-year-old millionaires, you know what I'm saying? We're doing what 24-year-old millionaires do. So I think it's one of those things where since that's not happening, then it's like, okay, on top of us losing, you got the head coach berating us all the time, you know, and we're we're not, you know, 19 and 18-year-old 
young men were like, we're adults, adults, you know, with, with we pay taxes and shit now. So <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things, man. If they were winning, it would be different. Um, to really touch on your first question, do you think that the like the locker room being toxic could translate on the field? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let me tell you the reason why. I think um, once you're on the field or once you're on the, the basketball court, you're talking about grown men playing a sport, grown men who were the best in middle school, high school, college. I think at some point your pride takes over and you're going to go out there and you're going to give it your best because you want to win, you know, even if it's despite the head coach. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think it's really going to affect on the field. Um, cause once you're on the field, it's just, you doing what you do. You do what you practice and you play the game that you've been playing, you know, your whole life. I just think it's one of those cascading, cascading things. It's like the nature of the locker room is toxic. Plus we get in our asses whooped and it's just like, it's just, it's too much, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but I think if they were winning, there would be people not only defending Urban Meyer, but they'd be trying to duplicate it. It'd be like, oh, right. maybe I need to cuss out my assistant coaches and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> be winning too, uh-huh. you know, because like people always say, the NFL is a copycat league. And I don't think that just applies to on the field. Right. Now, <laughs> what I will say is I do think it's possible for a for an environment to be so toxic that it does affect the on the field results. But I think it takes a lot. I don't think it takes basic levels of displeasure and toxicity, you know, like, oh, coach yells at this a lot and he throws stuff. You know, I think it would take it would take a level of negativity that is so intense that it actually affects the chemistry and maybe even affects practices. So it would be more like a a trickle down, if you will, that like not not that, you know, the trader, the the players are being treated poorly. So they perform poorly. It would be like this coach doesn't build the right culture. It affects practices. It affects how the assistant coaches do their job. It affects the way that people communicate because that is something that happens, right? Sometimes the energy in a space affects the way people interact with one another, which could ultimately affect how they perform on the field. So it wouldn't be direct. It would be something that like a sports psychologist or something might figure out. But I do think it's possible. I do think it's possible. I agree. It's possible. (laughs) It's possible. Anything is possible. (laughs) <laughs> One, you have a really big problem with Urban Meyer saying, I'm a winner and y'all are losers, especially as a head coach. This is not the first time that he's shown a lack of responsibility, right? Like, <laughs> what, do you, you disagree? I, I don't have a problem with it. Let me tell you why I don't have a I, – I don't have a problem with it on the outside looking in. If I'm one of his employees, he might have to see me. You know what I'm saying? Because, like <laughs> – at the end of the day, like I, I work for you, but I'm a man first. So, you know, respect me as a man. But it's like on the outside looking in, it's like I think society in general is just a little bit softer today than it was like 15 or 20 years ago. Just in general. Right. Because I look at somebody like Michael Jordan, who most people consider like the greatest athlete of all time. He wasn't a, a cuddly teammate. You know what I'm saying? Like, forget Phil. I know y'all saw no, the last dance. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But <laughs> you can see. I'm so glad I could just see this. This is great. This was great. Wait, wait. Thank you. This is great. Hold on. It's coming. Hold on. It's coming. Okay. But we could see evidence of Michael Jordan's greatness, even amidst the perceived failures of his team. Okay. Urban Meyer is a head coach. 
it's his like he's responsible for everything. He can't say I'm a winner, but y'all are losers when the team has a losing record. <laughs> How does, mm, let me let uh, you the reason so I can listen to how nah, nah, yeah, but with the Kanye. Look, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you finish, but look. <laughs> okay. The reason I bring up Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan, even though he wasn't a coach, he kind of was. Like there was no scenario during his time in Chicago that Phil Jackson would have got fired before, I mean, fired after Michael Jordan, right? So, like, if if Michael Jordan went to ownership and was like, look, I don't like Phil Jackson. Either he goes or I'm not signing my contract. They're going to pick Jordan and they're going to tell, you know, Phil Jackson to go kick rocks, right? So, Michael Jordan is kind of like, he's, he kind of does what he wants. So, he's going to do what Phil Jackson says, but he kind of does what he wants. So, he has that type of power. Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face. Michael Jordan wasn't cuddly. Michael Jordan didn't like to hang out with his teammates. He would, he was a win above all thing, right? That that was his whole thing. Win above everything else. Forget being friends. Now, Urban Meyer, he hasn't earned that on the NFL level, but exactly. I, I think where he's coming from is I'm coming from Ohio State. I got numerous national champions championships. What have you done? So it's like it's like if you haven't done what I've done or accomplished what I've accomplished, how about you shut up and learn something, and then maybe we can go somewhere. That's where he's coming no, from. No, now he looks he looks he's going to look silly because he hasn't. Have they won a game yet? What are they like? They're two and two games. So yeah, you, you, you look yeah. silly, yeah. but yeah. at the same yeah. time, it's like, like you know like I get that. where he's coming from. But yeah, no, but. But exactly what you just ended with, that's the entire point. So I, I'm not even going to get into you comparing Urban Meyer and Michael Jordan. Like, <laughs> like, that's what I wanted to get to. No. Like, like, I ain't going to do that. No, no, that. no, no, no. But that is the entire point. This is the NFL. Urban Meyer hasn't done shit in the NFL. He does not have the right, especially as a head coach, to say, I'm a winner and y'all are losers. Because if his assistant coaches are losers, it's his job to develop them into winners or replace them or to work to replace them if he can't make those decisions himself. Like he can't sit there in a staff meeting and say, I'm a winner and y'all are losers and not take any accountability for the performance of, of his team. This is your team. You are the head coach. What are you doing about it? So so that's my thing, because the the question that I was actually about to ask was, what is the appropriate way to address this? when your team is losing like this and you're the head coach. And I would argue that this isn't the proper way to address it. Man, I hope my mic doesn't mess up again. That's what <laughs> happened last time. It was like, the earbuds fell out. And then after that, everything was muffled. But No, but like he's also, he's like, there. there's going to be players and assistant coaches and other coaches that are going to look up to him as a mentor. And you coming out as such dick is not going to help getting anybody, you know, to mentor anybody. In my opinion, if I, if my boss or my coach or like, you know, I'm assistant coach and somebody comes like, well, you're a fucking loser. I might be like, well, what the fuck am I doing here for then? Like, why do you need me? Exactly. That's like, my thing. I'm what like, am I here who for? does this help? How does that prove anything? With Michael Jordan, we could see very clearly that he was still great. He was still performing at high, high levels, even when the team lost. In this situation with Urban Meyer, we don't see any evidence of anything. We've never seen him coach a winning NFL team. We've never seen him connect well with NFL players. 
We've never seen him develop a coaching staff to where they can support the team in a way that helps them achieve a winning record or helps them improve on the field at all. So where is this coming from, this I'm a winner, y'all are losers attitude? Resting on his laurels from back in his college days, the the college days that he doesn't want to go back to? Because every time somebody mentions it, he's like, no, I'm in the NFL now. I coach Jaguars now. Okay, well, then do something with it. Do something with it. No, he has no right to speak like this. None whatsoever. I'm I'm glad that they outed him. And then then he goes to the press conference and 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 says whoever said it they're gonna lose their job and i'm like that's how you defend yourself not by saying i didn't say it or i need to go talk to my team clearly something was misinterpreted by making threats in front of the national media that's how you handle this no he's a dick oh he's a dick we feel that he's a dick He's a terrible leader. He deserves. Sometimes it. a dick is necessary. Sometimes you need a little, a little dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. Think I look at it. Let me okay. let me ask you. Let me ask this one thing, though. Okay, so we can agree that he's a dick, right? Okay, we yeah. can agree on that. Would you say, or would you have an issue with him treating the staff and the players the way he does if they were, say, nine and four? And looking at the playoffs. I, I would have I would have the same problem. I would personally okay. I, I would still not like the the whatever. It's just it's just covered by by the wins, it's the covered record. by the dubs. Like it's yeah. like but that doesn't necessarily mean it's still not happening and I'm still mm-hmm. hurt or I'm still like not looking up to my fucking head coach where you know I thought it was gonna be my mentor and now it's like a fucking dick, <laughs> you know? I would still have issues. Okay. I would also have a lot of questions as to how he's making that happen while creating such a toxic environment. Yeah. And I also would anticipate that it wouldn't last long because if they were doing well and he was acting like this, I would probably chalk it up to just the talent of the players and the skills of the coaching staff and just be like, all right, his his time is going to run out eventually. Like he's on the clock for as for however long he can he can keep this up because you can't. Yeah. Now now I'm making assumptions there. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind closed doors in the NFL that we don't know about. One thing that one of the things that we've talked about on this on this show several times is the fact that you know the Cowboys they have this um, this uh, video that they release every week called yeah. Sounds from the Sideline, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But they often sometime. don't release those videos after a loss. <clears throat> they released one video after a loss, and it was so short. Yeah, it was and like... I was like <laughs> <laughs> Anybody try to watch that? Uh, or that's like a Cowboys <laughs> hater. The Cowboys <laughs> haters <laughs> love that shit, but like, fans are trying to watch that. Like, <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what they're saying to each other whenever the, the game gets tough or when, when they're losing. I'm curious. Yeah, but I I'm can't even watch highlights of a loss. Like, well, first, because I'm gonna watch the whole game, right? So I know what happened. I don't need to see the highlights, but like, I can't watch highlights after that loss. In fact, as soon as the Cowboys lose, I cut off ESPN, blogging the boys. I don't go on any of that for like two days. At least no, two days. I, I want to know. I'm so mm-hmm. interested in the interactions of high performing athletes. I really mm. am. Just curious. I want to know what Dak says to yes! his own <laughs> After plays like the one they had, where two O line two O line men ended up running into each other, I want to know what he said to them when they got back to the bench. <laughs> I want to hear everything. You got to read the lips, man. You got to read the lips because you're not they're not putting that on 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 video. It's not gonna... that game against Denver. But I say that whole... to say, oh my god, that was a lot horrible. of interactions that we don't hear about. 
So there might be other coaches who are winning and who are talking to. And that's what like that's you. exactly what I was I was getting at. Like the, the reason he said whoever leaked it is going to get fired is because you can't have air, you can't, like you know loose lips sink ships. Like it's one of those things where. You got the the NFL as they presented to us, you know, on you know neat, and then you got on the field, it's a war. But then you got another element of the locker room practice, the portion of practice not available to the media, like that shit. Like it's real stuff that goes on in there. You're talking about fifty-two alpha dudes that's always <laughs> been high up, and you know they're their self-esteem is like super high as far as athletics. But how do you tell somebody who was the best in college and high school, you got to be a fourth stringer based on the roster. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have fights. You're going to have people calling each other out of names. You know what I'm saying? Calling people everything but a child of God. You're going to have all of that type of stuff. But it's like certain stuff, you know, you believe in keeping in house. It's like you got an argument in, in your house with like a family member or something. And it gets kind of nasty. Right. That don't leave outside the house. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, <laughs> right. that's family business. So that's I think that's where he's coming from with that. Well, I would say even if that is the case, mm-hmm. that lends itself to a point I heard somebody else make, which is that. Even if let's say there are other coaches who operate like this then that means that his relationship with people in that organization is so bad that it would take more than one person on the staff to to turn this into a conspiracy, right? That means there are several people within that organization who have decided they want him out of there. Yeah. And so either way, there's something about the way that he's operating, something about the way that he's moving that has got people convinced they don't want him there and they're willing to risk their job they're willing to exaggerate or possibly lie or just put out things that shouldn't be put out to get in order out. to get him the F up out of there. And mm-hmm. so even on that note, I would say something he's doing is not right and needs to be reevaluated at minimum, I would agree. at minimum. I would agree. I think it's, it's one of those things where he's looking at, okay, I had all the, all this success um, in my collegiate coaching career. I'm going to do the same thing in the NFL. And we've seen it uh, a bunch of times. You can have a coach who's just everything in college, and sometimes it doesn't translate to the NFL. Sometimes it's it's the situation. I think really in this situation, I don't think it's his coach. And I think it's just the situation that he found himself in. You know what I'm saying? The Jaguars, their roster hasn't been great since um, – it's been a good three or four years. They're, the year that the Cow- – the last year the Cowboys played the Jaguars, their roster was – that's when their roster was on the decline because um, they had a few first round picks. Uh, Fournette was one. Uh, it was a couple of others that just didn't pan out. So they have one of the, the least talented rosters in the league. So it's going to be hard for any coach to come in and, and really turn anything around. Um, but it, it's just one of those things. Coaches, college and college is all about the coach. You know, it's all about the coach. And it's the exact opposite in the NFL, you know. So maybe he'll turn around, maybe he won't. But I think that their losing has way more to do with their roster than anything else. Well, let me ask you this. Even with that being the case, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot about whenever people talk about the relationship between NFL coaches and NFL players is the importance of having a coach that players are willing to play for 
that they need to have a certain relationship with the coach in order to perform their best. So we've talked a lot about how he's treated the assistant coaches. What about this statement that the players are making that like, oh, he's not treating us like adults? Like, did you ever play sports in college? I don't I didn't play collegially, but I played football in high school. Um, I think that that's one of those things, you know, that falls in the same category as 120% or 110%. When people say, you know what, I want to go out there, I'm going to give it 110%. You can't give 110%. The statement makes no sense. You can't <laughs> give more <laughs> than your absolute best, right? So I think when you're talking about the, the NFL, like you, you have a thing called players coaches, you know, coaches who have good relationships with their players, maybe relationships off outside of the field as well. I know Jason Garrett is one of those guys um, had a, a great relationship with Tony Romo. Like they still hang out sometimes, you know, um, it, it's, it's like the only reason that that's a thing, a player's coach is a thing is because you have the flip side of that. You got coaches. It's just like, no, I'm the coach. You're going to do what I say. I'm the authoritative type coach. You know, forget what you're saying. You don't got to love it, but you're going to do what I tell you to do. I really don't think as far as on the field, it it affects players at all. Because when you're on the field is you just do what you what you do. You're wide receiver. You go and nothing but like what, five, seven different routes you can run. Your quarterback, you you scan in the field. You want to perform for your your teammates when you're on the field. So I don't think players necessarily play better or play worse because their coach is kind of being annoying. I think this is where it gets to players when you're losing. And now you, the the media is like, okay, well we heard that your relationship isn't that great with the coach. Now you got to answer questions about it. I think that can get annoying to players, but I don't think it's going to affect them on the field itself. I, I don't believe that. They froze, man. Professionals. I I, I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about this because as an adult athlete that has had coaches, Mm -hmm. it's 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 tough when the coach is a dick. Yeah, and in in, in honestly, one particular coach who was coaching the A team for a while. Yeah, and I remember being at a practice, and so I'm sorry, I didn't mean. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I'm the type of player that is like, if I notice a weakness in myself at practice and she can attest to this I will work on it I will pick it apart until I she can have out. a great fucking practice and do one thing that she thinks she did wrong She's like oh, fucking practice yeah and like <laughs> I'll, I'll try to figure it out I typically have a positive attitude I don't say yeah. nothing to coaches but I remember one particular practice this dude would not stop yelling and not only mm. was he yelling he was yelling things that weren't useful things like go faster and I'm like, I'm damning. Of course I'm trying to go back. What? And it got so annoying that I remember I came off the track and I was like, I can't deal with this. He just keeps yelling. He's not giving me anything useful. He's not giving me any coaching that I, I can actually use. He's just yelling at me to yell and it's on my fucking nerves. I, and I don't go off like that at practice. Normally at practice, you don't hear from me unless I'm leading practice. And I will never forget. I was just like, I never thought I would have a coach. Like I consider myself extremely coachable. I never thought I would have a coach that would push me to that point. He pushed me there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I approached the entire practice. And the only thing I could think about after that was just like, if that had continued practice after practice after practice, 
my attitude as a teammate definitely would have changed over time because I could not stand him. I know. Me neither. Because we had the same coach. So, yeah, I but, know you know but, <laughs> Forget it. Say his name. Forget that guy. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. We don't want to Mitch, say Mitch, Amy. Forget you, Coach Mitch. No, no, but it was like people related in the situation that might yeah, get affected. Yeah, the Derby community so. is small. I don't yes. want to bring anybody into nothing that they don't want to be brought into. But so. the thing is, yeah, like, it's not just it's not just the, the your attitude that might change. That might that might that might be your personal perspective with a coach treating you like that for me is the coach not believing that I'm capable of doing the job that I'm able to do on the track or on the field and that practice after practice after practice after practice is gonna make me want to fucking quit like what am I here for if I'm not good enough for you you know if you're just yelling the same shit over and over again I'm trying to fix it you're not giving me any pointers you're not telling me how to fix it or, 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 you know, any ideas or like work on this off skates or do this or do that. And you're just fucking yelling at me constantly. The only thing that you're going to make me believe is that I'm not, I'm not doing my job. I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's just going to make me going to quit or like, you know, it's, it's just, and honestly, this is completely off topic. But most of these middle-aged white men have not been told no Almost ever in their entire life, and 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 that is just that is that is. Anyways, you know you can tell when somebody hasn't been told no a lot. Like you, you can tell. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm what I'm saying. Like it's just they just get away with everything because they've never they've never been like in a position of like, well, no, but you're wrong. You know, like, no, that's not how it works. That's just not how it works. Like, well, you know, maybe we can work around it. Like, no, no, you're being a fucking dick. And that could be connected to even the the decision that led him to not travel back with the team that time that he got caught in his barn, Mm -hmm. you know, with that girl dancing on him, which I still stand by what I said in that situation. People blew that out of proportion. Wait, what happened? You got to talk about (laughs) that. That was was a Thursday night game that they had and they lost. And I forget what city they were in, but he owned a bar in that city. And he went, instead of traveling back with the team, he went to that bar and there was some social media video that somebody took and it went viral. And people were like, oh, it's this video of Urban Meyer with this woman dancing on him. And I see these headlines. I hear all these sports pundits talking about him. I'm, in, I'm imagining like a lap dance. Yeah. Kind of like <laughs> so, like was she ass naked? Like what's- I was like, she was like hardly moving and he was yeah. barely touching her. She wasn't in his lap. Like everybody said, everybody's like, oh, this woman was giving him a lap dance. She was standing, he was on a bar stool and she was standing in front of him. And she was just kind of, Moving to the music, like grooving. <laughs> and I was just like, y'all really bullied this man into a public apology over that. He probably over smashed that. though. Let's, let's keep it, let's keep it a buck though. He probably smashed that night. I, I think it's <laughs> I said it's a 75% chance that he smashed, man. Okay, if he did, well then let's address that. But, but for the video that we saw, no, no. But anyway, to piggyback off your point and talk about (laughs) the trickle down of a coach being like that, it's just like, you know, in that practice, my mindset went from let me work on my weaknesses to me being frustrated about by the coach. You know, if that continues over time and I'm not working on my weaknesses the way I normally do, I develop into a different kind of player. I develop into a player that's not as good as what I was. Sorry, Lil Nas X is on TV and I'm distracted. I'm not <laughs> <lying>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I said the, the game control was, the and I was in right a coach. metallic skirt and some fly-ass boots. And I was oh, like, God. what's happening? Hold oh, on. <laughs> we do this on our show all the time. It's that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. You can leave it on. I want to I, I I, hear what he's doing. Okay, okay, okay. My bad. My bad. I want to see. Turn it up. Oh, okay. My, hold on. What are y'all watching? It's the iHeartRadio Jingle Ball. I'm about to cosplay as Lil Nas X. I like this outfit. <laughs> Listen, you got a lot of options. A lot of options. I feel like he's going to take this jacket off. I knew dances was going to come out. I knew it. Why are they going to take their pants off? I know it. I already know. Well, no, this is iHeartRadio. It's on CW. Maybe not. <laughs> we play this song at practice every practice at least once. <laughs> it's on the playlist. It's great. I love the song. I didn't even know that was his song. Really? Did not. No, I was nope. so hyped when they started playing this on like ESPN and promoting. You can turn that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, I was so hyped when they started promoting this on, uh, or not promoting the song, but they started playing the song on ESPN and using it for like college football. Cause to me, that just like represented progress because I literally told a friend, I was like, this man has a whole line in the song that says, I don't fuck bitches. I'm queer. <laughs> and they're using that to promote athletic competition. I'm like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm here for never, it. And never that floats your boat. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, <laughs> but not, that was my, not my thing, but you know. <laughs> but I mean, it's like when I hear stuff like that, I always think about like queer people for like years. Yeah, <laughs> not, me not that's years, gross. For decades. A queer I've person, had that's to like, gross. I've had to adapt heteronormative songs to like their situation. But like that was a moment that I also knew Lil Nas X was safe because I'm like now he's like got that Disney protection. Nothing's gonna happen to him because for so long people were like, "Oh my goodness, he's just so edgy," and you know the world isn't ready for this. I'm scared for him. You know what if he gets attacked? And I'm like, no, he's he's under the Disney. Now. They man. got him. They got him. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, with that, this, this happens. <laughs> this is sometimes. Listen, <laughs> man, I'm I'm with it. <laughs> Stephen Curry, three point record. Did you watch that game last night? Uh, I saw the highlights, though. I saw it when he broke the record. So what's the number 2,974? That sounds right. I think it's, I know it's 29 something. I don't know the, the rest of it, but. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. We were talking at the beginning of the episode about how we didn't make notes. And so for anybody who wonders what kind of things I normally put in notes, it's, it's details like that. Like, yes, I remember <laughs> the record. I don't remember the exact number. I'm pretty sure it's 2,974, but. There isn't much really to say about it because it was like, it was already anticipated that he was going to break the record. Honestly, the most interesting thing about the moment to me was the fact that it was so fucking dramatic. <laughs> this was the most... <laughs> it's a big deal. He's a shooter. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's important. But they literally stopped the game. He was hugging his coach. He hugged his mom. <laughs> They stopped, they played music. If they could have gotten away with it, they would have had confetti raining down. This man looked like he was about to cry. And I was just like, can we get back to the game? I expected people to stand up and cheer, you know, show the highlight like eight times. 
I wasn't expecting, like, let's stop and have, you know, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen come and hug this man on the court. We're just going to stop the game for, like, five minutes. Like, oh, fuck this game that we're trying to finish. I was just like, is all this really necessary? Let that man have his flowers, man. Like, damn. <laughs> oh, Steph Curry doesn't get his flowers. Get back to the, get back to the game. Get back to the why you can't have this spot? That's a big deal. That's a big record. That's a listen. That's the three point record for the greatest shooter of all time. That's that's a big deal. It's only five. What are you, some kind of Steph Curry hater? Why do you hate Steph Curry? <laughs> why do you, why do you hate that that young man? I love why do you Steph hate that? Curry? I just thought that was excessive. <laughs> Jeez, five minutes. <laughs> They literally changed the structure of gameplay to accommodate the celebration of a of a, a career three point record. Yeah, that's a big deal. And besides, basketball games are only like two hours anyway. You know, you routinely spend three and a half, four hours watching the Cowboys. Like, come on, you can't take an extra five minutes. It's already only two hours long. Like, come on. Not what so, I was so impatient. Something one of the announcers said that did make me think about it a little bit differently. They were talking about how Steph Curry changed the game and how because of his style of play, it gives another example for young athletes to look up to whenever they consider what they can accomplish in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about it from that perspective, I can see the nece- the necessity for the fanfare, because if that's the message that you're really trying to send to young athletes. Yeah, you want to make a big deal about it. Like this is somebody who was counted out in high school, was counted out in college, who doesn't have the typical build or performance of people who before him we would consider to be like budding NBA stars, right? Right, right. He basically had to come in the game, carve his own lane and say, I'm going to be amazing at this. And nobody even asked me to do this. This is not something somebody else is doing that I'm trying to duplicate. This is a role I'm going to create for myself and I'm going to be great at this to help my team. And I'm going to be so great that everybody in the NBA will acknowledge my greatness. And so, yes, it does send a message to young athletes. And so it's like if you're trying to reinforce that message, that is one scenario in which I can see the necessity for the fanfare just to drive home. Even though it is like one record, like, yes, this is important. Yes, this is something that you can do to accomplish greatness. So if this is something you aspire to, by all means, keep aiming for it. This is something that you could have for yourself one day. Yeah, that's what you that's what you say, but I feel like in the, in your heart of hearts, you like yo forget Steph Curry. I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like nothing about him. I don't like his wife. Forget his father, Dale Curry. Forget all the Curries. Forget Curry seasoning. I'm not putting Curry I seasoning. I love the Curry. By the way, this is my food, nothing. Game. All Curry. I don't know. She's pregnant, but how many kids do they have? I don't know. I I just uh, thought it was. Interesting that she wasn't there, but I I don't keep up with the Currys enough to know why she wasn't Me there. Either. But no, I'm not, I, I'm not the I'm biggest like, fan of Aisha Curry, man. I, I think it was kind of it was kind of weak when she came. Even though it was what she said was real, I, I think it was kind of weak. She was like, "Well, I don't guys don't hit on me and blah 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 blah." I'm like, I feel like <laughs> that's that's something you sh- you can say it, but I think you should say it to your girlfriends in private. I wouldn't go on national TV and, and say that. Like, yeah. how how am I supposed to feel as your husband? <laughs> Where like the the one complaint that you have is random dudes aren't like cat calls. Hey girl, what's up? <laughs> you I'm like, okay, word. That's but in her defense, in her defense, 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I dislike Aisha Curry for other reasons. I didn't like when she came out talking about women need to cover themselves up. I want to be like, bitch, fuck you. Like, you got a man. You can cover yourself up if you want to. Uh, not saying that I don't cover myself up because of men, but I'm just like, don't don't judge me. You don't live my life. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you're making the assumption that women who don't cover themselves up have, like, low self-esteem or they're doing it for attention. And it's like, no, if that's not for you, do you. I don't need you speaking for every woman right now and, and reinforcing this this whole <laughs> stereotype. Like, women need to be more modest. Nah, fuck you. Um, so I will say... But what I will say about that conversation that she had about men not hitting on her, she was actually discussing. Is that? Uh (laughs) I was like, is that the? (laughs) Is something behind this? (laughs) No, I just for some reason I just now noticed uh, the Megazord back there. (laughs) Oh yeah, Yeah, Um, a lot of stuff going on. No, it's like when you moved, it looked like it was in the front of the screen. I was like, did that just pop up? And I didn't notice. Like, what? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, like she was talking about her experience being at games with Steph. And there would be fans that would come up and like essentially push her out the way to take pictures. <laughs> and so she's seeing her husband. Well, you're not the famous one. Sorry. Facts. But Learn to shoot threes. All this attention and just all this evidence that he's desired, he's wanted, but she doesn't ever receive any of that. I can understand how that would make a person start to feel like, okay, I need some affirmation of my value in this situation, especially considering their ages at the time. They were young. Then I would blame Steph, honestly. In that what? situation. No! If you don't feel valued enough, it's because you're not getting it at home either. That's not true. Some people just want more of it. Well, then they're narcissists. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would have yeah. a narcissist to say something like, Oh, I cover myself up because I respect my man. All these women walking Fuck around no. showing all this skin. Mm. Yeah, she might be a narcissist. She might be. She might be. I, I don't know. Like, to me, like, not, not like, this is completely off topic again, but, like, wear whatever the fuck you want to wear. Like, don't, like, that's that's you. Whatever makes you comfortable. Like, I don't, like, that's just, that. you shouldn't tell anybody what to wear. You know what, though? I will say this, though. There is something to be said about that. I, as a man, uh-huh. I, I mean, listen, the less you're wearing, it's going to be more attractive to me as a man, right? But, and this is what I tell my female friends, like, ESPN. ESPN. depending on what you're trying to get. Okay, I'll put it like this, right? You in the club, right? And you are dressed like really, really like, like hardly wearing anything. You're pretty much out there in pasties. But... You keep attracting these dudes who just want to have sex with you. And yeah, like you're you're displaying that. And I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not saying because you dress a certain way that that means you necessarily want A, B, and C. But it is something to be said for leaving something to the imagination. I don't even think it's so much as leaving something to the imagination. I actually chalk it up to... Like one thing that I see a lot with the guy friends that I have is yeah. that they're not, for the most part, going to approach you while another man is approaching you. And so it's like, if you would you, think so, so, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, most of the time, but some guys are just like, 
some guys. The haters, like what it is, they just don't care. Like they just gonna bump in. There are some. Yeah. But you know, I guess I guess I say that to say like if you are attracting a lot of guys who just want to fuck you, it's Mm -hmm. like it's not really leaving a lot of opportunity for a man who might want to get to know you. True. You know, and so I I feel like that's the thing that comes into play. And then honestly, a lot of times, in my opinion, there's and this is the case with any outfit, whether it's you're all covered up or you're wearing pasties, you got to wear something that looks good. And there are some times when I see a woman wear something that's very revealing, but it's not even really stylish. It's like you just out here half naked, but it doesn't even really look that good on you. You just showing a lot of skin. You know what I'm saying? And I think that happens a lot, too. And I feel like in those situations, like, yes, you will attract a man who just wants to fuck you, whereas a man who's more interested in a certain type of woman or an extended relationship, they're going to look for a woman who's who looks good and has a certain style about her and actually seems interesting. And it's like it's not just about like you're showing your titties. Dudes want to fuck you. It's like the fact that you go out in something that's not even that doesn't even look good on you. I feel like that does some say something about you. It kind of suggests that you care more about um, putting your breast out there and actually looking and good, actually right? portraying your personality or looking yeah. good and presenting yourself a certain way, regardless of how much you're covering up or not covering up. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you though. I don't think you should never. Nobody should be standing in judgment of somebody because of what they wear. But you know it. If if your I I would say it like this too, if your ideal man is the type of man who would probably go for women who are more reserved, but yet you just want to wear really revealing clothing, then it's like then that's not the man for you. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly, exactly though. That's that's what I'm saying. So I think <laughs> you know that's you know, you dress for what you want. I, I think yeah. it, it would take a guy who's okay. Like, I mean, it's porn stars who get married. They usually marry within the industry. Don't ask me how I know these things. I, I may have researched it. I may not have researched it. Whatever. Actually, I did research it. Don't ask me. But um, We don't know. It's cool. <laughs> they like, you know, it's somebody, they get married all the time. And that's somebody who's, your wife is going to go and, and have a day on the set. You know, but the guy's cool with it. You know, so you just got to get somebody that's, that's right for you, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about this topic, so... I don't. I don't know if I want. I can relate to that though. Like I, I know I like to. I like to wear short shorts. I like to wear crop tops, especially when I go out. But I also know that if there's a man who's going to judge me based on me being dressed like that, we're probably not going to get along very well. And so far, I've never been wrong. There have been men that I've met, like when I've been dressed differently, like you know, maybe out running errands or. You know, just on a daily not, basis. Yeah. yeah, just like I don't dress like that all the time every day. So I'll meet them in a different setting. And then it's like, you know, they'll they'll either see me in an outfit like that or I'll hear them make a comment about a woman who is dressed differently. And it's just like I just it's never, ever worked out where I've met a man who said something <laughs> you know negative about a woman and what she's wearing. But somehow we still get along like if they make if they make ne- negative comments about women's clothes, mm-hmm. if they talk shit about women's sports. If they have negative opinions about the LGBTQ community, I already know from jump, we are not going to work out. I don't care. And so boo-boo. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I personally like I feel like, and I've done this before. If I'm going out to fuck, I'm gonna wear whatever I think is gonna get me 
a person to fuck, right? Whether a man or a woman, regardless, it doesn't matter. I love it. But if I'm going out and I might wear the same outfit that I wore to get something, somebody to fuck, because it makes me feel good. That doesn't mean I'm going out to find somebody to get laid that night. You know what I mean? So just yeah. because it's just as revealing or just as covering doesn't mean I'm going out with the same mentality Intention. or perspective. Yeah. And and the fact that, that that people get judged just because of that, it just it's very it it it's very frustrating to me. I don't know how to put it into words, but no, it is like, frustrating. But like, you're, yeah, like, and like, honestly, I have not met anybody that has met their their soulmate or their life partner in a club. I've not. It can happen. I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not saying it can happen. I feel, I feel what you're saying, but but I, but it's 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 a lot more often not to happen at the club. In my own experience, with my own friends, with the people that I know, you know, hey, yeah. I met I made my person on Tinder. You know, this topic is so much more interesting. I know. <laughs> let me let me flip it on y'all a little bit. It's like one thing for me. A lot of times is I might be looking for somebody to fuck, but not somebody to fuck that night. I I had an experience that kind of turned me off from one night stands for a while, but so how- talk about it. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it just bad? Was just bad. Sure this dude had a gun under his pillow. Oh fuck! And it just story. it just made me think about all the things that could go wrong. Because right. in that situation, he's like, "Oh, I keep it there for protection." But it was just the fact that like I didn't know it was there, and it was something that I hadn't even thought about, and it just mm-hmm. kind of like spooked me because it made me think about all the things that I could go wrong going home with somebody that I don't know very well. Mm-hmm. Because this was somebody that I didn't know, but he knew somebody I knew, so it wasn't even like he was a complete stranger. But I was just like, what if that gun was there for another reason? Mm. And next thing I know, I'm tied up in somebody's basement and my friends never hear from me again. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this is good. Because me and my homeboys are talking about this like two weeks ago. Real shit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Finish what you're saying. But but it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm looking for a serious relationship. And so, but I will say that one thing that happens to me sometimes, and I don't know if this is unique to me. You can tell me if this has ever happened to you. There have been times that like, I'll like leave with the dude, right? Like we'll be at a club and he'll be like, you know, well, let's go to somewhere like Waffle House or whatever. And it's like, I kind of know that they want to fuck, but we'll like get on a topic of conversation. We'll just end up talking until like four o'clock in the morning. That too. That dude has no, that dude has no game. That's, that's (laughs) that's all the dude is. Well, maybe that dude dude wasn't really like, Maybe he was looking to fuck, but then he was like, yo, like, I found this, this person that we can... Right! <laughs> Look at his face. Like, he, no. was, he was cool having the conversation because you're good at conversation, but he would rather have been fucking, right? And the reason I say he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have any game is because in a situation like that, just be up front with what you want. Because it's Ooh, the same way you were talking about how you already know... A guy isn't going to be for you if he's anti-LGBT and he cares if you wearing scantily clad, if you scantily clad, whatever. Uh, guy knows that. I don't know where I was going with this. So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just skip over. Look, he had no game, right? Because all he had to do was say what he wants. Oh, this, this is where I was going with that. He, the guy, the girl for him would not be the girl w- that would hold it against him for trying to smash on the first night. 
That, that's not, what I'm saying. Some guys think that girl, and some girls do hold it against guys. I was some, do. some I do, but that's not the that wouldn't be the girl for for him. He would rather have you know been intimate with you, but he just ain't make that move. That's why I'm saying he ain't had no game. He's just you know because whatever think- whatever you want to do. Let's do whatever you want to do. Like you should have been like, nah. He should have just told you what he wanted, and then maybe y'all could have yes, had fun. I, or if I, you won't feel in that, then you know Waffle House is a, a plan B. Because I'm hard. <laughs> if that, I you know? meet you, we're vibing. We you know we're drinking. We're doing this. You know, smoking a blunt. This whatever and the other. Yeah. And then we're like, hey, let's go out to let's go to Waffle House. And then I'm the one thinking like, oh shit, I thought we were gonna smash. And then, and then guys don't and know. Then that. Don't and, I, and then I'm like, so like, and I agree with you a hundred percent. You should have, you should have like put your cards out up front. Like, listen, yeah, let's go to Waffle House. But what if after the Waffle House we go to my house? Or better yet, yeah, let's, let's go to my house and let's let's door dash some Waffle House. We're <laughs> <laughs> oh gonna be hungry oh afterwards. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, like you know, like if I if, if if me as the woman, I'm saying like, hey, let's go get something to eat, mm-hmm. and you be like, hey, cool. How about we door dash the shit and we take it to my place or your place? Yeah, even in my situation, one thing I always tell my guy friends is that like the number one thing is to make a woman feel comfortable. Yes, right. And so even <laughs> in my situation, with me kind of being in that situation that got me a little bit scared, like making me feel comfortable might be a different process. It might involve, you know, answering a few more questions, but it's not impossible. So at the end of the day, like, that's what you have to do. Make me feel comfortable. And then it's like, if I like you like that, then okay, it is what it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I wish one more thing for this conversation. I kind of I disagree with that. Let me tell you what I disagree. Not that you shouldn't be comfortable, because if you're in a situation and you don't feel comfortable, get out. We agree on that. I don't think it's a guy's job to make you feel comfortable i think it's the guy's job to be himself and if you feel comfortable around me and you want to do the things that i want to do and we agree on that then let's make something happen i, think that's I don't, a different I don't think he should go i mean this is a guy perspective i don't think a guy should go out of his way like you know what i'm saying it's like well no because then it's not genuine anyway and at some point i mean assuming that we communicate after that at some point it it, it reveals itself let me but tell you I guess, though. I guess to put it another way, it's like okay. if you can make a woman feel comfortable, that's important. But a lot of times I think that's what it comes down to. It's just like whether a woman feels comfortable with a man or whether she doesn't. You Fam, yeah. you are you are absolutely correct. But let me t- let me tell you this, because this is what me and my friends were talking about a couple of weeks ago. The worst stuff that happens to women, just in general, is usually at the hands of a man, unfortunately. That's just the way that the world works. It's no excuse for any guy doing anything terrible. It's no need to name the terrible things. We know the terrible things that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a woman still has a certain attraction for the man, just like the man has attraction for the woman. What if her attraction to you doesn't override the fear of something could happen? Nothing is going to happen, right? If her attraction is up here and her fear is right here, then something can happen. Her attraction or your attraction is overriding the fear. Because you got to know in the back of your head, like, not to get too graphic, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure y'all have been in the throes of passion and have had like a, a <laughs> hand a hand on your throat, right? Like, But this is the thing, like, like CD Lamb, I know what it feels like. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. What? You said you got choked by CeeDee Lamb. What happened? What? Hold on. I got the hand up. Wait, what? Is no, no, no. That was an interview. Did you okay. see that game where... Um, oh, you're talking about with, uh, with Michael Irvin? He was like, kind no, of no, 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 not that one. Although that was really fucking weird. <laughs> I was, I don't know, Mike. <laughs> I, forget, I forget the player that did it, but there was a player yeah. that tackled him and was like choking him after the. Play. Oh yeah, so after the play, and, and everybody was yeah. like, "Why didn't that call? Why didn't they call it?" And he got interviewed about that situation, yeah. and he said the ref said that his thumb was stuck under my helmet, but that's not what happened. I know what it feels like to be choked. That's what he said. And so when he said that, I was like, oh. Do you? Do you now? <laughs> funny. I've, look, I've been choked by a woman before. Like, it's the, <laughs> the funniest thing because, like, I don't know. This is, like, years ago when I was single. Anyway, I was choking her, and she reached back and was choking me. <laughs> like, unhappy woman. But look. <laughs> so it's like. You know, you have to know, okay, so you you in the middle of it with the guy and the guy's hand is on your throat. You know, if it's a guy you feel safe with and you're in the moment, you you probably love that. It might even help you get to your, your climax faster or whatever. But it has to be something in the back of your head, even if it's just like a little teeny voice. It's like, yo, it could kill me right now. <laughs> if he just wanted to, all it would take is you know, squeeze a little bit more for about 30 seconds and it would be over. So. This is one of those things like a woman's um, desire for you has to override, you know, the danger element of it. If you want something to happen. What I was going to say, because a lot of a lot of women that the vast majority of women have gone through some sort of bullshit with men. in their life, Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like. And almost every single woman that I've talked to, like we develop this like sixth sense to call it something that you get, you get the vibe, you, you, you feel it. As soon as you start talking to that dude or whatever, like you get the vibe, the wording, the mannerisms, the, the, the way that they're looking, the, you know, all the crazy eye, they hit you with a crazy eye, crazy. Yeah. Everything, everything like falls into place. And at that time, if if you like, that's when you like. I'm 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 good, man. Like I'm not doing Waffle House. I'm not doing DoorDash. I'm going. I got a hair appointment tomorrow morning. I had to pull that off. Like you gotta get up like, early. You know ah, I to say that we we catch it every time. No, 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 no. I'm saying because we've been there before. We've developed this sense that now you like you know but because we've been there before and we've said yes and we've like gone to the place and we've like door dashed the waffle house to the place and then it's like oh it does make you more cautious you know there are certain types of dudes that i used to like kind of be into now that i'm like stay the fuck away from me as i'm into athletic nerds (laughs) 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 like that's that's the type that i like building around (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I look for the eyes, man. The eyes be the eyes. Be t- you know, it's crazy because some dudes are just like, like you can tell. I, I would say most of the time you can tell when somebody's a little bit off. Um, but some people are just great actors, man. Oh, I mean, I- shit, imagine <laughs> like Denzel or somebody being crazy in real life. Like, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. He's just such a great actor. Like, how would you like? You wouldn't know until it's too late. Until they get you, they get you. Yeah. Like, they get you by the balls for better, for lack of a better expression. <laughs> like, they ah, get, my balls. 
<laughs> Why is Denzel gripping my ball? I don't know. Why is Michael Irvin? <laughs> he was this close. Like CD Lamb package is like right here. Michael's no, like, you, what you, you gotta see is right here. And, it's, and I you saw you run this road. Like, like he took a step back. Like why is this man so? And you can see it in CD Lamb. CD was kind of like looking around, like, do y'all see this nigga? Like, do y'all see this? Anybody else see this? Y'all don't. It's just me. I'm the only one to see it. Okay. Oh man, yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, speaking of the Cowboys, because we always bring up the Cowboys, um, as you should. Win over the Washington football team. Interesting, frustrating. Um, Nobody. But they've taken some heat because of their their offense. Basically, their offense kind of uh, falling short. You know, started Mm -hmm. off hot, but fizzled out like a firecracker. It's yeah. a lot of different reasons for it, though. It's a lot of... Like, what I'm not really... Zach is in a slump. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a slump-ish. I have a theory about Dak, though. I have a theory about Dak. I think he... The reason that... Um, I would say the main reason why he's not looking like he was looking at the start of the year. I don't even think it's the fact that the running game isn't doing what it, it normally does. I think it's two things. One, I think it's the receivers finally rounding out into to shape. Because remember, Gallup was out most of the year. Yeah. Um, during the slump, also, CD had a concussion, missed a game, really a game and a half. Yeah. And then Amari, he had, like, COVID. COVID. <laughs> he, he wasn't asymptomatic. Like, he actually had, yeah. like, you mm-hmm. know, so he wasn't 100%. I think that's part of it. But then the other part, I think Dak has been a little more cautious until the playoffs. Now, I won't know if my theory is right until the playoffs get here, but I think that he's holding something back for the playoffs because it's been like, I don't know, 50, 60 different instances during the course of the football season where he's could he could have took off and got five or 10 yards and kept the drive going, and he's just staying in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? And I think in the playoffs where, you know, it's all on the line, it's win or go home, I think he'll unleash that and actually run a little. You saw he ran at the end of the Redskins game, but it was in the fourth quarter after he had already thrown a pick six. So he was, all right, I got to do something. Right. So he took off and got the first down. My, uh, We've talked about that with my boyfriend a lot. And, and his theory is that after he broke his ankle, he's not running nearly as much. Mm-hmm. He's... I don't know if he's being cautious. I don't know if he's scared. And, and I've told you this before too. It, it seems to me sometimes that he plays, he plays scared. Mm-hmm. He plays that he doesn't, he's not a hundred percent comfortable where he's at. And I don't know if that's within himself or within the team or his receivers or the running back, whatever, whatever the play might be at the situation at that, that time. But it, it, the look that it, that I get or the vibe that I get from him is that he's not, He's he's scared. He's not comfortable. With I think he is scared, and I think it's because of his own line. I think there've been too many yeah. times on the offensive line, and he doesn't feel confident. Like that's fair. That's fair. People don't put enough weight on the relationship between quarterbacks and their old linemen. There's a reason why you have quarterbacks like buying their old linemen Rolexes and taking them out to expensive dinners and getting them birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. It's because it's like it's your job as an old lineman to protect the quarterback. That's why, like, if you watch games of teams that play on a grass field and you'll see, like, the old lineman will be fucking filthy and then the quarterback, their jersey, just, like, clean. clean. That's what you want to see, you know? 
And so I just think with all the changes and not only have there been changes, it's like there's been inconsistency amidst those changes. We've seen the old linemen make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. A lot of mistakes. We've seen Ezekiel Elliott have to pass block, you know, and it's like they they actually mentioned it during this last game. Like, oh, it wasn't a very good block, but you know he's out there. And I'm like, he's been doing this all season. The whole season. <laughs> now you just now notice. <laughs> but but I I I think that has a lot to do with what it is. I think there's like an extra second of hesitation. There's like a little bit of tinge of fear because he doesn't entirely trust the group that's in front of him. Yeah, mm. that's 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 a fair statement too. That's a fair statement. That was the argument that we had in this household about Dak. And I mean, Dak is no the type runner. he's not going to say that. He's not. Oh, no, he'll never say that. He's just going to be like, you know, we got some work to do and we're going to put the blah, work blah, that's, that's what football, that is. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. If you ever want to have a good time, just put all the Cowboys interviews for the week in a playlist and like just take a drink every time they say complimentary football. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me how I know. Let <laughs> <laughs> me ask you this. Do you drink during game day? Like um, watching the game, do you drink? Sometimes. I don't. Well, I, I'll take that back. I take that back. I, dr- I don't drink until I know the- we're looking good in the game. If it's one of those nail biters or we're down big early, I hate being half drunk and also we down like three touchdowns. This is <laughs> like bad. See, so I like, put a lot of emotional weight on the game. I, just I do. Like I, I'm like, the they start opposite. doing bad, yeah. my brain just starts to go to like, why? What's happening? Where yeah. it's the coach brain. I can't help it. Yeah, no. Yeah. My boyfriend be like, ah, here we go again. This is the heartbreaking <laughs> part. Oh, oh yeah, he's like cowboys. He's been a cowboys fan forever. He's like, here we go. Again. Oh, God bless that man. That's a good man. You hold yeah. on to him. <laughs> Hey, I'm Tightly. a Lightning Saints fan. How do you think I feel? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's the online. I think that's what it is. Um, that's a big part of it. There, it, it's a lot of it is health on the O line, and then a lot of it too is is I don't I don't think Martin is playing as dominant as as he has you know years past. Martin isn't playing that great. I'm not saying he's not. No, he's playing good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's playing trash or anything. But we used to Martin like just like you know paving ways, you know, like a road grader, and he ha- he hasn't really been doing that for the most part this year. And then Travis Frederick retiring, you know, because of his his health issues, that was big. You know, it we always had three guys, at least three guys on the offensive line who you, you would say are top two, three at their position. But I think after Frederick left, it's like you got. Tyron Smith, when he's healthy, he's great when he's healthy. But you know, when is when is that? And then you got Martin, but like the other three positions have at different. It's like nobody's playing great at the same time, and that's real. I think you're really seeing that this year. So I, I agree with you. The offensive line hasn't lived up to his um his billing. Um, so speaking of people not playing great at the same time, one of the announcers made this comment on Ezekiel Elliott. You know how I feel about Zeke. And the fact that he needs to rest. But they said yeah. some players have earned the right to play through injury. Does that make sense? That's, no, you don't have a right. You're injured. Oh, okay, so this is I, I remember that. I think it was was it it wasn't Joe Buck, because uh Joe Buck didn't call his last game. Who called his last game? Was it remember. uh was it Olsen? I think it might have been Olsen. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. 
I, but anyway, I I get where he's coming from. But see, that's the thing, and you guys know this as athletes. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you're injured and there's a possibility that you could really so say so you say you got like a partial ACL tear or a partial like something small. It's like it's su- such a small tear to where you don't need surgery. You just need to rest. You probably shouldn't play because you get hit on that knee again. It could actually tear, right? But there's exactly. a such thing as as being hurt. So you might just have a sprained knee, which that's what they're saying he has. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. They but they're saying it's just knee injury, like four different things, which makes yeah. me think he has multiple knee injuries. I've heard bone bruise. I've heard contusion. I've heard sprain. But if it's a situation where it can't get any worse, you know, then why not go out there and play? Especially if Tony Pollard is hurt. I mean, what's the alternative? Edo Smith? Well, <laughs> damn. No, no, no. <laughs> no. That's not what I was Somebody about. feels away about Geno Smith. <laughs> Listen, Zeke is one of my favorite players in the Cowboys. So, yeah. like, I have, I have a special, I have special place for him, Mark. But I also like like that can that can damage his career in the long run. If he doesn't rest now, he might have knee problems forever. That might shorten his career in the NFL. And and that would like that's not good for him or for us fans. <laughs> like it's not, it's not, it's not good. So if he needs yeah. to rest for like if if even if it's like one or two games, if that's gonna make his knee just be good. Then just rest him, you know, save him for playoffs. We have well, other other running backs. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it, too. I don't know if you guys remember, it wasn't the last time that Romo got hurt. Because Rome, the last time Romo got hurt, that was just it. Romo was just hurt. Um, that was pretty much his career. The time before that, when he broke his collarbone, he broke his collarbone because the fullback missed a blitz pickup. Fullback missed the blitz pickup. Linebacker comes down the middle, tackles Romo. His uh, his collarbone breaks. So Zeke, for as good a runner as he he has been during his career, he's an even better blocker, a pass blocker, right? So imagine him sitting out, and then Tony Pollard tries to block the defensive end or the linebacker, misses it, and now Dak is hurt. You see what I'm saying? So I think it's one of those things where, like, if if he could further hurt himself, then I agree with you. He should. He should. If it's one of those injuries, he yeah. shouldn't be playing. But if it's one of those things where the doctor's like, "Look, you're not going to hurt it anymore by playing on it. You yeah. know, you're just going to probably be slower. I mean, realistically, then yeah. you know, if you're healthy enough to play, go ahead and, and play." From that perspective, I agree with you because <laughs> what too. I was about to say was that like. You should never trust an athlete, especially a type A athlete, to determine if they should play while they're hurt. No. Because they're gonna always gonna be say yes. <laughs> they're not gonna put themselves in. That's away. true too. But yeah. thinking of it in that sense, because you know, I've heard not only Zeke make comments about how his ability to block is different than other players' abilities mm-hmm. to block, um, largely because of just willingness to do so but like other analysts have said the same thing that like a, a big part of blocking in the position that Zeke usually plays is just want to just having the willpower to say I'm going to do this yeah and so like yeah if Pollard doesn't have that in him then Zeke might feel a sense of obligation to be there for that yeah, especially like, considering how much he clearly loves that 
So. Yeah, and like and like I love I love Tony Pollard. He's great. I love him. But he doesn't have like Zeke is like a beast. He can like run through people and like Pollard. I don't know if he's just not as strong or he's, he's a little not smaller. As, he's a little yeah, smaller yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, but maybe he's also like that's not his position. He just doesn't. He's yeah, just he not like the Zeke. decision in college to become a better blocker so he's built up that mentality right like Pollard may not have done that right that's what I'm saying like Ziggy is, is, is better at that at protecting protecting Urban Meyer what <laughs> what about Urban Meyer he might have had something to do with how great Zeke was at Ohio State well Let's okay, well, cool. I'm missing out on that. It's funny because they, they brought him too. Maybe he was great. Maybe he was great to Zeke. You know, maybe he was great to Zeke. Yeah. Maybe he was great to Zeke. My last nah, they No, huh? they bumped heads. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, they bumped heads. It's just one of those things with Urban Meyer. He has so much success. You don't really pay that. It was one game. I don't know if it was a national championship. It might all the game before that. Anyway. Urban took Zeke out of the game, and Zeke was like, "No, nah, you know Zeke is is Mister Feed Me." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they they got into it, you know. But you know, Urban could do no wrong on the college landscape, like we were talking about earlier, because you know he was winning, so nobody nobody questioned it. Right. Um, that play where uh, Zeke pushed the um, pushed the player oh. that tackled that, <laughs> I was like, "That's this." We did an episode where I said her and Ezekiel Elliott could never hang out because they would get in trouble because both of them are like voted most likely on their teams to like be the first person to throw a punch. And when I saw that, when I saw that dude hit Zeke or hit Dak out of bounds and then Zeke pushed him, I was like, that's this one. <laughs> and you know the funny thing? Like she texted me almost right away like, man, that would be, and I literally just told my boyfriend, like, I would have done the same thing. Because whoever was, whoever was the second person to hit that dude, everybody was talking about that person. It was almost like they didn't even see Zeke listen. <laughs> I saw it. I didn't I know it either. I just know Lyle Collins hit him with a two-piece. But, uh, yeah. It happened right in front of it happened right in front of Zeke, and Zeke was like, get off my quarterback. And I was like, that's, that's this one. <laughs> that's the type of friends that you want. You got to have a friend like that, you know, because I feel like if me and you are friends and we ever are out somewhere, like I'm not a big, you know, just star fights. I ain't been in a fight for real since high school. You know, I use my words. You know what I'm saying? I'm only going to fight if I have to. But if I'm in a situation where I'm fighting, especially if I'm getting beat up, and you my friend, and you ain't jump on this dude, we're not friends no more. I can't trust you. We are not friends anymore. That will be the last time we hung out. I hope you enjoyed it. That is never probably again. one situation where I would start a fight, and it would be out of obligation. Like, if one of my friends yeah. was attacked or is in the process of being attacked, I would. But, like, outside of that, I'm kind of like you. I, I tend to use my words. I'm like Naruto, talk no jutsu. Like, <laughs> we that's can it. figure it out. Usually. Like, that's my Usually. friend. I feel now, like I Now, feel like if somebody were be... to hit me first... That would be yeah. a different story. But if it hasn't gotten... Like, that's not going to happen if I'm there, though. Okay, right, because you're going to swing first. <laughs> yes, yes. She's going to be the one to swing first. Yes. I just feel like you know, it should never be a situation where we're out and, and you call yourself my friend and it's not automatically you jump. You're supposed to just put your foot out and trip the dude. A, a dude's yes, something. You exactly. just standing there? 
Yes. I'm like, no, yes. that's not okay. Yes. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to say about the Cowboys victory so we can move on to the, the, the topic I wanted to get to this whole time. Oh, well. Those benches that made headline before the game, nobody's talking shit about them now. Well. Whose idea you think that was? You think that was Jerry's idea? You think that was somebody else? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Who was talking? Who was talking shit? What happened? The Cowboys brought their own benches to finish. Oh, bitch. I thought you said bitches. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so like, bitches to the well. No, no, no. Benches. They I had they bitch. had some uh, heated benches made yeah. and shipped into FedEx Field. And people were talking about it like, oh, the Cowboys doing the most, the Cowboys being so extra Ugh. before the game. Like, this is literally making headlines. Whole articles are being written about these benches. And then, like, after, like during the game, like, all of a sudden, nobody had anything to say about the, the self-heating benches. Because Shit, they love us, man. It's like, it's not our fault that we're the most popular team in sports. It's not our fault. It's it's the media's fault because they know that the Cowboys are polarizing. They know you either love them or you hate them. There's rarely a person who's a football fan who feels a way. If I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say some stuff like, oh, man, the Cowboys ain't going to do nothing this year. Y'all ain't nothing. I'm like, okay, word. What's, what's your team? I don't like football. Like, you know, <laughs> you're like, why do you have an opinion on a football? <laughs> why? You know what I'm saying? Every time you watch ESPN, they're leading off with the Cowboys. If I wasn't a fan, like I've been a fan since I was like seven. You know what I'm saying? Since back when we was like winning Super Bowls and everything. If I if I wasn't a fan, I would hate the Cowboys. Because of the fans and because of the way the media covers them. You know what I'm saying? It's Everything leads with the Cowboys. Everything starts and ends with the Cowboys. If I wasn't a fan, I would hate them too. It is what it is. But I'm not. I love them. It is what it is. I like being able to cut on ESPN. And, you you know, it's only going to be five minutes before the Cowboys come back on again. So, yeah. Right. Especially when Michael Parsons performing the way he is. Like the last oh my God. we've had just been, we love Michael Parsons. No. Michael Parsons is got... Player of the year, defensive rookie of the year. People Can I tell about you Mike something Parsons about Michael real quick? Can I tell you something about Michael real quick? Yes. As as the NFL aficionado, you know, <laughs> as as, a, as somebody who's followed the game for like thirty years, right? It makes me a little bit sad watching Michael Parsons. You know wow. why it makes me a little bit sad is because of the simple fact that you can't play forever. And he's the best defensive player in the league. I really believe he, there's nobody as versatile as him or as great as him, like, pass rushing. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, he ain't going to be able to do it forever. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's going to be – hopefully he has a long career and we can see him doing what he's doing now for 10 or 15 years, hopefully. But it's just like 15 years from now when he's not in the league, you know, we're still going to be Cowboys fans. And it's like, damn. We miss my God. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just every time he steps on the field, I'm enjoying it because I recognize what I'm looking at. You know what I'm saying? It's like I remember when LeBron first came in the league. It's like you you knew you were watching something great. You know, like a talent like like Micah's does not come along often. The man hadn't rushed the passer really since high school. And he's looking better. He's the best pass rusher on our team. And we got guys who are good. You know what I'm saying? Demarcus Lawrence, he's made multiple Pro Bowls. 
Randy Gregory probably could have made a Pro Bowl or two had he, if if he was able to stop smoking the weed. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen A. Smith would say, but you know he had his reasons for doing what he did. But Micah, like he's just a different animal, man. Like it's literally nothing he can't yeah. do on a football field. It's he's a rook. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous. He's a rookie in the NFL, but I mean, let's be real. What he's doing, he's been practicing doing this for a long time. True, but it's a different it's level of competition. And and this too, the fact that he hadn't rushed or played defense in since high school. Like it's like if he had played it in college and then he brought that from college into the end of oh, oh, and he missed the last year of college. He didn't play college. Play college football last year. This yeah, man was out of football. Last year. And yeah. this is what he comes back and does. And like he's it's, still technically sound. It's not like he's just fast and can get to the quarterback quickly. I've seen several videos break down his actual tackling technique. And just how technically sound it is. Like, I love it. It's like he's got everything from the extraordinary <laughs> gifts to the fundamentals. It's beautiful. One of the times like he sacked the quarterback on the last game, he was just like, he just like, like you're throwing the oh, trash in the dumpster. Yeah, right. was he just, just like, like how was just, and, like, how yeah. he was trying to get away. And he was like, dude, come here. I remember during the draft process when after, right after we drafted him and somebody noted because i don't think he actually went to the combine i think he did like a pro day or something some something like that they said the man runs a four three right which will be fast for a wide receiver that's fast for a cornerback fast for a running back and the man is a a linebacker right so when they said it i was like okay you know people overhype things yeah. But I legit feel a little bit bad for – I mean, not that bad because, you know, it, I'm a Cowboys fan. But I almost feel a little bit bad for the quarterbacks because you can see it. It's like he'll get a sack, right, and then they'll replay it. And they always replay it in slow motion. It doesn't even look like he slowed down at all in slow yeah, motion. Yeah, he looks fast in slow motion. <laughs> the quarterback never sees it coming. Yeah. And you know because you guys – play a contact sport it's one thing to get hit when you can see it coming and you can brace for it but when it completely comes out of left field and just lifts, lifts your body I'm, oh my god i know that's some pain and not like, oh my god agile. he can change speed like like it's nothing it's my crazy. favorite plays now are the ones where i see the quarterback trying to get away <laughs> And they start and Lawrence, Lawrence, and then they see Lawrence, and then they run him the other way. And, and Mike is over. I'm like, that quarterback is gonna be having nightmares about this. I love it. <laughs> every quarterback, if you notice, like every quarterback that we played, at least I would say during this big stretch of Michael Parsons being like Superman, right? They have some type of injury from the game. He knocked out uh what's the what's the guy's name for the red Heineke? Heineke got knocked out the game. Remember against the Saints, Taysom Hill got hurt. He hurt his um, I think it's his, his throwing thumb. Throwing thumb. His throwing thumb. That's hard to say. Um, who else? It was a couple of other quarterbacks. I, I'm not hundred percent convinced that uh Matt Ryan didn't have a concussion when he sacked, he got sacked. Because remember on that sack, like he kind of got up a little bit, kind of like. Like what the just where happened? You know what I'm saying? Like where am I? Right? Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. He gets on quarterbacks so fast. Quarterbacks are usually every quarterback has like an internal clock where you're like, all right, you know, if I get as long as I get the ball out within like two and a half seconds, usually I'm good. But he's so fast. <laughs> not yeah, not with Micah. You know, they think they got time, and then 
It's over. Yeah. I love seeing him and Lawrence together. There's a video that we retweeted and it was like synchronized sacking because it was like both, <laughs> both Parsons and Lawrence were to the quarterback's right. And they both got blocked, you know, by like they weren't being double teamed or nothing. It was like one O lineman that was like trying to hold him up. And they both did like this move right here together. Yep. And wow. then yeah. slammed through. That's beautiful. And I was like, it was beautiful. Was it was beautiful. literally beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? The the crazy part about it, and another reason our defense is playing so great, you can't really truly game plan against Micah because he can blitz you from anywhere. So, you know, like when you have a great defensive end, the offensive coordinator would be like, okay, well, let's leave the tight end to, to double team and help, and help the tackle out. Or that's how the running back chip the defensive end to give the tackle a better chance of blocking him. Imagine Michael Parsons being lined up to the offense's right and the coordinator is like, okay, we're going to leave, we're going to let the running back chip him or we're going to leave a tight end to protect. And then right before the snap, Micah just up and moves and either <laughs> drops back into coverage or like blitzes like from the middle or so from the A-gap. It's like, it's it's ridiculous how this man has turned around our defense, man. Um, as a Cowboys fan, I'm loving it. I yeah, want him to get same. a pick before the season is over. I want to see it. Take it yeah. to the house. I think if he, can, if he can take a pick to the house, I think he'll get the, the defensive player of the year. I think he's going to get it anyway. I, if, thought, I, don't, I hope so. I don't know, man. I, he deserves it, but, you know, it's kind of like a politics thing. They don't... This morning was, could he get defensive player of the year and defensive rookie of the year? I think if everything was fair, he would. Yeah. But I think they're not going to do that. They're not going to give him both awards. I think it's, it's one of the – I think the, the main guy is is Miles Garrett, right? Yeah, that's I think he's, he's probably, probably leading, leading – um, I think if him, if their stats are similar, they're going to give it to the veteran. That's just usually how these things go. I think if Micah can just clearly have his stats be better, you know what I'm saying? Or have a couple of more plays, maybe a pick six, you know, something like that, then I think, you know, he could. He has a chance to do it. Oh, for sure. All right, now to the topic of the night, which might end up being its own separate episode, because, Jesus, why do we keep doing I know, Flynn is about to get here, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw two definitions at you real quick. Okay. The first one is cultural determinism, which cultural is the belief that, cult- that the culture in which we are raised determines who we are at emotional and behavioral levels. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the first one. The second one, hero worship, which is excessive admiration for someone and it may also be applied to a brand, a team, or some other group, not just individuals. Some people believe that society is built on hero worship and that a society's standards and values are reflected in the people they uphold as heroes. Now, the reason why these two these two terms came to mind for me was because of Disney's recent acquisitions and the fact that you know, if you look at some of the the most well-known brands that they own right now, you got Marvel, you got ESPN, which is two sources that a lot of people turn to to determine who their heroes are, which ultimately determines our culture. And so it got me thinking about like basically what Disney's plan is with these out with these assets, because outside of people who are fans of both, outside of people who are fans of like comic book shit and sports shit, you really don't associate the two. And especially with Disney starting to do shit with like Star Wars and dabbling into anime a little bit, it's really got got them kind of looking almost like they're trying to 
dominate the market in terms of who are heroes and how they're presented and who owns the rights to use those heroes in certain ways. So this this was already on my mind when I found out about Disney thinking about creating a metaverse. And this is according to their CEO, Bob Chappett. I'm going to play a quick clip for you. Um where he talks a little a little bit about the a little bit about the the metaverse that they might create. Now, a little bit of background on Disney and the possible metaverse is one, they've been looking into getting the rights to NFL Sunday ticket. Now, also Apple, HBO Max, Peacock, and Amazon have been mentioned as contenders for those rights, but they're looking into getting the NFL Sunday ticket. And the CEO said, we're very bullish on sports. We mentioned during our earnings call, the idea of gambling as a new revenue stream for us, which we think is spectacular. He also said, with every one of the new rights deals that we cast over the last year and a half, every one of them has a very significant component for the DTC sports world, DC, DTC being direct to consumer, so streaming. So we're very bullish on ESPN Plus's growth in the future. When you have the combination of our brand, our franchises, great storytellers across each one of those franchises, plus our commitment to this marketplace, I think we'll be there in the end, talking about Disney versus their competition. So let me play this clip for you where he starts talking about um, Disney Plus being used as a platform for the metaverse. On the call, you mentioned the metaverse. Will we all eventually be paying Disney parks prices to go into the metaverse. What is your vision for Disney in the metaverse? I think it really blends our physical beings with our digital beings and creates a three-dimensional canvas, if you will, for our creative storytellers to paint so that we can create experiences that otherwise have been defined as it's a park experience or it's a movie experience or it's a book experience. I think those all come together without boundaries, without borders, without constraints. And our creatives are just fighting at the bit to get into the Disney metaverse. And just so I'm clear, would this be something where you're wearing a headset, VR goggles? Yes and no. Uh, it could be that, but I don't think that every one of those experiences is going to necessarily have to have a headset on. That is not our plan. All right. So the part that was interesting to me was where they talked about that um, kind of merger between the physical world and the virtual world and the fact that this wouldn't always require headsets. And so considering how many sports rights they own, it makes me wonder like if, and especially based on the commercials that I'm seeing, it makes me wonder if it's possible that Disney might want to begin using sports content in its metaverse and what that would look like. Because this, oh, whole, idea, this whole idea of a metaverse that merges fantasy with reality mm -hmm. combined with the increased popularity of sports betting has me imagining this half fantasy, half reality gumbo of superheroes and sports personalities that's just designed to take people's money. And I guess I'm wondering what that would do to the experience of the sports fan. It's going to enhance it. It's going to enhance it. I'm like, I'm really excited about the metaverse. Let me tell you what. Okay, I'll put it like this. I'm excited for the metaverse, but I also feel sorry for some of the younger folks. So I'm going to date myself a little bit, right? I'm 37. So I have the unique perspective of 
Yeah, I'm on social media now. I'm savvy with social media. I, I like technology and everything like that. I'm looking forward to the metaverse. But I also remember what it was like back in 92, 93, where there wasn't even a call to ID yet. You had to answer the phone and you just didn't know. You know, hopefully it was your, you you know, your girlfriend or your friend or whatever, but it might have been a bill collector. It might have been a, that friend who you're not friends with no more call in for whatever reason. He got to make up excuse to get off the phone. I remember both, you know, so I've been here for all of the, the changes. So I could put on some VR goggles. I could put on some VR goggles and enjoy that for what it is, but also take it off and go have drinks with my friends and be social and meet new people and network and all of that good stuff. The kids, though, they don't really they're becoming a little more socially awkward because they're everything is this. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't know what it means to put the phone down and go outside and meet new people. And their social skills are kind of like um, being affected by. So I feel a way for for them. That's why, like my kids, I teach them that, you know, social media, social media is cool. But at the same time, that's not the real world. You know what I'm saying? You can cut yeah. that off and it's vital that you cut your phone off every day and actually interact with people or else your social skills are going to decline. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about it from the opposite perspective because everything okay. that you're saying is real. But with the metaverse, we're talking about experiences that happen outside of the phone, you know? And I guess I was thinking of the fact that, you know, sports is an entertainment product, right? But if we're talking about this metaverse that is going to be designed to cater to fans, to cater to consumers even more, now we're talking about, especially with the advent of sports betting and that being incorporated into this metaverse somehow, mm-hmm. now we're talking about a situation where sports might actually be impacted by the desires of, of consumers, by the desires of viewers. And I just think about how now sports is entertaining, but at the end of the day, we have to watch what these, that's why I keep looking up. We have to watch what these players are doing on the court or on the field. We can't really directly impact that. And I guess I'm concerned about a scenario where that does become impacted, or it's like, we've already seen episodes of sports center or episodes of get up that have been hijacked for lack of a better word by promotions of the next Marvel movie coming out. What happens when they, start doing that to basketball games. Like, are we going to see situations where we're watching like a space jam type competition for real, because that makes more money than traditional basketball. I don't think so. I don't think that it happened because this is where, this is where I see it going. I see in the next two to three years with the advent of the metaverse. So I, I think they're going to enhance what you do now from the fan perspective. I don't think the actual product on the field or the court will be affected at all. I think they're going to affect you and give you more options to enjoy the stuff you already enjoy. For example, so right now, if you don't got tickets to the game, you either go to a sports bar and watch the game or you watch it at your house. Well, imagine being able, for a fee, of course, being able to put on your VR um, goggles, right? (laughs) And you get the, the vantage point of somebody that's on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? So maybe that's like a thousand dollars or something like that. And you can look to your right. You can look to your left. And it's like you're really on the field. You have the same perspective as a head coach or a player that's on the sideline. Right. And then maybe for like two hundred dollars, if you don't want to spend a thousand, you get the experience of a fan in a seat. You know, so you can look to your left and right and see other fans while you're watching the game. I think it's just going to be more ways for you to interact and 
enjoy the things that you enjoy now. I don't think it's going to affect what's on the field. That's that's good. I like <laughs> I'm with that. I, 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 I only tried VR one time. I only tried it one time, and it blew my mind. It wasn't even a video game or nothing like that. It was just um, I was watching something. I, I think it was like a Best Buy. I put the goggles on, and it takes you to a movie theater, right? So you're just watching like a movie trailer, but it's like you again. You can look to your left and your right, and it's like you're actually there. It's that, that immersive yeah, experience. I've been in VR is, one time. It's kind of dope. It, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it gets real. So can you imagine like getting together with your friends virtually and watching the same game? And it's like you you still see your friends, but you also got the game. So it's like, especially with COVID and now we got more variants popping up. We don't have to necessarily all come together in the same place, but we can all share that same experience, man. I think that's kind of dope. You kind of selling me on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like I'm ready for that. that close to CD land. Oh my god! <laughs> or Debo, <laughs> or CP3, or Giannis, or so you know what? That's not fair because I feel like the WNBA doesn't have. It's some pretty women in the WNBA, but I think by and large, it ain't. It's not fair. It's not fair. Like the it's. No, it's it's just not. There are plenty of very attractive women in WNBA. They are, but I would you okay? Would you think objectively, right? And obviously, this is shallow. We're just talking about looks, right? (laughs) Would you think they're more attractive men in the NBA or more attractive women in the WNBA? I mean, in my opinion, there's more attractive men in the NBA. Okay, as a queer person, (laughs) (laughs) there is. To me, there is more more hot women in the WNBA. What's your type, though? What type of woman do you typically go for? I really don't have a type. Don't have a type. I, I am pansexual, so I really I like like the physical is not all of it for me. Like I mm-hmm. I need to get to know the person for me to like like it and date it. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I like she likes Brittany Griner, right? I like Candace Parker. You think Brittany Griner is cute? She thinks yes. she's hot. Oh my God. She, she's Come the on. only woman in the WNBA that I that I find attractive. But let me explain. Let me explain. I have a type. Okay. Right. She does and have a type. It's like Brittany Griner happens she's to match her type. She's got a cute smile. Okay. She's got locks. She's very tall. She's got nice arms, and she's got a deep voice. But <laughs> when I think about the fact that she has a vagina, I'm completely turned off. See, like I like I like Kalia Cooper probably just as much as I like. Candace Parker. What's that one girl name? I don't know if she's in the if she's in the WNBA now. She's only been there a year or two, but she's light skinned. She's tall. Um, she had a lot of videos on YouTube where she's beating up on her her college training staff, like posting them up and like doing moves. I don't I don't know her name, but she she's cute. Um, I don't know. I, look, I'm a straight dude, but I'm like yo. Come on, it's it's more handsome dudes than it is beautiful women in the WB. I'm led to believe that. I'm led to believe that. I I don't think that's the case. I think it's like men are used to seeing attractive women in a certain setting. And so it's like when women are out there doing their job and playing a game, like, yeah, we're not going to look as attractive because it's like we're sweating and playing a very physical sport, you know? I prefer prefer my woman to be sweating. My woman, like, sweating, like, when we, like, that's just, like, sexy to me. I'm talking about not, okay, you 
you know, your makeup I mean, done, Ava you got your Wilson, best outfit like, on. You don't think she's hot? Alicia Gray, uh, Ava Wilson. That, that was the first person I named. What is, what is her name? I, probably, I don't know. Prince Crush? Skylar? Uh, Skylar, Skylar Diggins-Smith? Skylar Diggins-Smith super cute. Super cute. It's a, super cute. My boyfriend's crush. Skylar is cute. It's a lot. It's okay. It's a lot of attractive women in the WNBA, but I, I would say it will be more handsome guys in the NBA than. Well, they also have a lot more teams, and there's a lot they more men in the NBA teams. than they do in the WNBA. So there's not more. There's or, more uh, to pick. You're uh, right. There are more teams. Right I don't know. Hold on. Uh, okay, so look, we're gonna, we're gonna do a test. I don't know how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a test, right? We're going to take the WNBA people and the NBA people, right? Uh -huh. And we're going to take them to a country that doesn't really watch basketball, a country that they're not known, which is going to be hard, but we're going to find a country. And, and their only them. job is to go out to a bar and pick up guys or pick up girls. And we're going to see who got the, the most success. <laughs> I'm led to believe the NBA players will have more success. I, I'm just led to believe. I mean, they're tall, they're athletic. You know what I'm saying? Girls tend well, to you know, in a lot of in a lot of countries though, at the same time, being a woman who is tall and athletic and black is a drawback. So <laughs> I, like I'm just, being I'm tall. just talking about I don't know. All right, it is Brit when you say you think we always say Britney Griner though. Britney Griner, like Scott well, Diggs. Because, because you know I'm I'm not attracted to women though. That's the thing. I'm not attracted oh, well, you, I'm not attracted you gotta to women. excuse yourself. <laughs> <laughs> for the comments, yeah, like, like, is the only yeah. woman I've been attracted to in like seven years. Like, yeah. so I would say, like, I would I would go for like Lisa Leslie before I go for Brittany Griner, even though she, obviously she's retired now, but don't matter. Okay, <laughs> hold on, I'm about to get it. screen real quick just so we can play this game. I like how all our topics keep getting hijacked. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to happen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. So Tia Cooper for one. She's just she's just super hot. Yes. Skyler. Oh, yeah. But that's like that's like this. two though. Okay. Liz Cambage. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's go let's go player for player. Okay, player for player. I'm gonna throw LeBron James out there. LeBron James would be pulling women even He's if he not. wasn't rich and famous. No, I don't think so. No, no. no. He's six feet eight. Don't matter. With a six pack and a beard. Like I know, no. I have girlfriends who would just be all over him just for those three facts. No, no. I mean, y'all might not. I'm just saying. I'm talking about <laughs> women tend to like tall, tall, dark, and handsome. Like you hear that all the time. Like you know, it's not all about looks, but like, come on, man. Like, no, like, come on. no. Okay, Devin Booker. Jason Tatum, uh, who else? Well, Giannis, but Giannis is very tall. Giannis, yes. Uh, who else? CP3, yes. Uh, Jay Crowder. Oh my god, yes. I love Jay Crowder. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was just off the top of your head, and you already named more guys than you did girls. Granted, I the same number. Huh? Anyway, it wasn't the same. Number. We are going to <laughs> make your make your list. Okay, we'll make our list, and we'll pick this up another time. 
my my boys gonna give me hell for this. Like, oh, that's oh, so you think he handsome, huh? You think that's that's what you think he's handsome? <laughs> I'm like, listen, man, I'm I'm comfortable with my sexuality. You know what I'm saying? I can say another man. Is, it's is, it's is it's not sexuality. You're just trying to prove a point. You're trying yeah. to prove a point. And I mean, the fact that LeBron James was the the first name that you threw out there shows. I mean, because he's the most famous. That that's why I threw him out there. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm not gonna be like looking at dudes like, well. He do got green eyes, though. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I like I've known guys like that who, like back when I was single, like I never forget. Like it's it happened a couple of times. I'm like I'm not super tall. I'm like six feet or whatever. But I'll be talking to a girl, like you know, we having a good time. But here come Mister Six Foot Five Athlete with his tight polo on, and he's like, you know what I'm saying? And her whole cotton just. That, that look, she gets stars in her. Movie. I've seen that look. Yeah, no. I've seen it. Some some of them are just trash. <laughs> Especially the ones who've been stars since college. It's just like you no. They just rude. You can't do nothing with them. I, I like know. no. But see, that's the thing though. We're not talking about would you do you think they would be a good fit for you or or anything like we're just talking about strictly aesthetics. I mean, especially with that being the case. To LeBron, no, not my type. So no, me neither. But anyway. If I was a girl, I I, I hit that. But anyhow, continue. What was what what else was uh? What was I was gonna say about? we're gonna we're gonna pick this up another time. So okay. just, just have your list ready, and we'll talk. I'm gonna about get my it. list. Yeah, but we hot got NBA guy. <laughs> hot <laughs> NBA guy. It's British again, though. This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We got to do it again. I don't know. When oh, we got and we got to get y'all on it on the Geek Salad podcast. Yes, yes. she's gonna be traveling next week. I'll yes. be there. Okay. But at some point, we'll have to all. Yeah. Where, where are y'all located again? Well, I'm in Virginia, and my co-host he's in Carolina. Okay. Are y'all coming for South by or anything? Y'all travel? Uh, probably. I haven't been out west in like years, man. It's like when I travel, I end up going to like Miami. No, well, he's he's South by West. South, South, South by Southwest. South by Southwest, right? We're in Austin. We're in Texas. What was that y'all West compared to, you know, where I'm at? You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, well, I'm not, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everything is pretty much everything is West. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get more East than where we're at right now. The border is like five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, well, we, we got to get y'all on the show. Man. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I mean, I'm going to be in North Carolina. When? In May. For what? Guess who's getting married? Darby and Peavy, I don't know these people. I'm sure they're good kids. Uh, they're they're really awesome people. Yeah. That's that's really good news. Yes. Congratulations. I'll, I'll, I'll show you. She's my dearly wife. I'll show you how they like. Um but yeah, we'll 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 get together virtually before then. I like talking in person just because the dynamic is like a little bit different. Yes. But yeah, we'll definitely get together virtually at some point. Yes. Facts. We'll arrange it. So if you're listening and you like this, um, and especially if you're watching on Spotify, go ahead and comment in our little QA section and let yes. us know that you enjoyed the conversation. Yes. Um and otherwise, this has been another episode of Bitches Love Sports. I'm bitch two. I'm bitch one. And we out. Bye. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even I didn't even let you uh, like say where people could find you. My bad. Hold on, we're no, not out. It's all good. Like I won't go say nothing. But I was like, damn, she. Ain't no, I'm playing with you. <laughs>
I'm Arya the King. We'll have a geek salad. You can follow us on Instagram as well as uh, YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash geek salad. On Instagram is at geek salad now. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely follow them. Their posts are hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Thank you kindly. <laughs> okay, so now we out. <laughs> All right, y'all take care. All right, good night. Thank you.